Hey, this is Bruce Boudreaux, and you're listening to Empty Betters with Nick Mack and Harrison. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 147 of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Schultz. I'm going to toss it across the screen to my co-host, Nick Manella. How are we doing, my friend? Doing well, man. It's been a minute. I know we took a week off there. Glad to have everyone back here and fired up to get into, honestly, what's probably going to be like a two to three hour episode from what we're looking at right now. We got a long one on tap. If you're with us, uh, sit tight, grab a drink and relax. Uh, we got a big interview that we'll announce here shortly, and then we got a lot of news to cover after missing a week of the pod. Uh, I am now going to toss it across the screen to my other co-host up in Wisconsin, Mac Vogel. How you doing, my friend? Feeling good, like I should in the neighborhood. Oh, okay. Well, not as loud of a pop as I was hoping for, but uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully you're watching on YouTube, you get the visual going. What is on tap there? What's happening over there? Give me some yeah, ASMR. It's one yeah. of those little, uh, like, it's basically like a pre-made old-fashioned type shit. Okay. It's, uh, slow and low, rock and rye. Nice. Um, better than you would think it would be, though. Like, actually pretty good, and it's always, like, three ninety nine. It's, like, always sitting at the fucking register at the liquor store. That's how they get you, you know? Yeah. You can't um, afford not to. But it's in a pinch, it does. You just crack it open, single serving, pour over ice. Could not I bad. please have you put that pea-sized can up next to your yeah, face. Yeah, it's funny, <laughs> right? So, it's so, so Put it next here. to your face and smile for like a thumbnail and also so I can see how big it is. <laughs> so it goes from like the, your chin to your ear, basically. Here, okay. let's put it next to a real beer can. Okay. <laughs> We're doing science here on empty batters. Yeah. 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 Okay, kind of now I get okay. it better. Yeah, it's just a cute little guy, you know? Yeah, bad radio, great YouTube, you know the mm-hmm. drill. Mm-hmm. It's like the picture um, of uh, Andre the Giant, like holding like a normal beer can. <laughs> it is great to have both of you back um, on the set. It's been about probably, a, I feel like it's been a month since all three of us were were together. We had Nick out. Now he's like kind of recovering from being blind. So that's cool. Mac was out one week um, and then we had a week off. So it's I was dead. I was actually dead for a little while. Yeah, you were dead. Yeah, that didn't sound good. Glad you're okay. Yeah, get your flu shot. PSA, I did not and regretted it. <laughs> yeah, it's dude, this winter's been brutal. Um, all right, a couple house cleaning things, and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. So, first off, uh, big announcement unrelated to anything interview or news wise. We are coming to Milwaukee, the great state of Wisconsin. Me and Nick's second home, I guess you could say, for the podcast. The good land. Yeah. We will be up in downtown Milwaukee the on january 21st that's a saturday we will be having a watch party for the st louis blues versus chicago blackhawks game that evening at elwood's elwood is it elwood's like tap hat mac you know i believe it's elwood's tap and liquor officially but um yeah it's on water street uh right downtown if you know milwaukee if you don't buy your plane tickets and uh make a make a weekend out of it I'm not yep. suggesting that like anyone fly to Milwaukee just for this event, but if you were going to fly to Milwaukee to go to a bar, I would say Elwoods is probably top three on that list. Especially if you're a hockey fan, which you should be if you're listening to us speak right now. It's a great spot. We went there last time we were up in Milwaukee. The staff is great. They have great promos. So we're really excited. 
Um, should be a good time. We also will probably have playoff football on some of the other TVs. So come hang out, drink some beers. Should be good fun. Point. I didn't even think about the football thing. You're right. Yeah, it's going to be, I think, uh, the divisional weekend, the wild card weekends right before. Uh, for anyone who is going to be there in person, we will have a couple of surprises for you people. Uh, I don't want to give too many details, but we will be bringing some stuff with us. So um, if you show up, definitely want to say hi and uh, maybe grab something on your way out. I'll leave it. Good chance back. you won't leave empty handed if you uh, if you come through. So. Absolutely. So we're super excited for that. Again, January 21st at Elwoods in downtown Milwaukee. Book it on your calendar. We will be there. Um, next thing, today's interview guest. Awesome, awesome interview. We did this over the weekend. We're recording this on December 14th. I think we did it this past Saturday morning. Uh, Rob Shremp, a legend of YouTube highlights for hockey in the early 2010s, late 2000s. Uh, for any of you who don't know who he is, he was an NHLer, played for the Islanders. Um, that's probably his most notable team that he played for in his career. Beat Sidney Crosby in the 2005 Memorial Cup. We talk about that. Um, he's a stick-handling guru. I would say he probably inspired the entire like lacrosse goal generation type thing going on right now with Zegers and all that. So um, we talk about stick-handling. Very similar to our John Schiavo interview from a couple, uh, maybe not a couple years ago, maybe a year ago, um, if you're new here. So go check that out, too. But he joined us. It was a great time. Um, had a great chat. So we'll do that interview in a second. But before we do, I think Mac has a question of the day. And then we want to ask him about his experience at the United Center last night for Ovi's 800th goal. All right, let's knock this question out real quick. I thought of this one when I was stuck in some horrible traffic on the way home today. Uh if this podcast was in an alternate reality and it was not about ice hockey and gambling, what would each of you want it to be about? Uh, assuming that it would like be equally or if not more successful than it currently is. That's a Ooh, good one. That's a really good question. Uh, Nick, I feel like I know. Oh, well, I, think I feel I like know I what, you what both of you were going to say, but let's, let's see. You feel like you know what I'm going to say? Yeah, okay. I think I yeah. I think I do. I think I do. I think I was just going to say like is it bad that I would say alcohol between like beer, <laughs> whiskey it. and wine like we would just come on here and like literally drink and talk about that kind of stuff? That I was actually it. my secondary answer, so I'm glad you said it so I okay. can just keep my first answer, but that I mean we it's true. What we, did you think I was going to say? That's I know what Max pretty much say. what I thought you were going to say. But the other thing that I thought you might say is my first answer. So I'll okay, I got your. I know your. Yours okay, is now I know what you're going to say. Yeah, yours uh, is music. It has to. Yeah, be. Yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I kind of. Ha- I knew it'd, that it'd one. It'd be the coming. same format. Like we'd be like interviewing <laughs> be like the same coming show. like up and coming uh, <laughs> musical artists. It's the first three like minutes that. of every podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly, and uh, doing news around the around the music industry world and shit like that. No gambling. I mean, I guess we couldn't really. What do you think mine would be? I'm actually curious. I I, I have one in mind. Uh, it might be kind of obvious. I don't know though. Maybe like food or something. I feel like you're into cooking. Like yeah, I was gonna recipes say or like I would love to like do that. like a like a cooking. Slash like restaurant rating podcast. Yeah, Ooh, that sounds do... cool. I would listen to that. I would listen yeah. to you doing that. Yeah, yeah. Thank no, thanks. I actually I appreciate it. Maybe that's a future business idea. I don't know, but I love uh, <laughs> when this I one love... crashes and burns. <laughs> yeah, right. As it, yeah, um, 
I love restaurants. I really do. I, I like rating them, specifically Mexican ones. Um, there's a place called Taco Mama that just opened up across the street down on Fort Ave, and I haven't tried it yet, and I walk by it every day, and it's killing me. So Groundbreaking quote from Harrison Schultz. I love restaurants. I really do. <laughs> especially mexican ones that's a good one <laughs> yeah yeah put I that, do. Put that I do. on a plaque i would like and, you know if you did like one of those like friday beer style like rusty ranks videos it's like where you just like go to a place and start eating tacos until you're like about to throw up i think that would be hysterical also i don't know why i'm asking this but i guess like i thought of like other ideas i feel like you guys are big into like like old school cartoons or like tv series have you been watching uh what's that show called that everyone's watching now the white lotus or something like that i've seen all no. of it both seasons is it is it worth the hype i like it a lot i think season one is better um i like a lot of the actors and actresses in season two like some of my favorite uh actors and actresses are in season two so i, I really like that but i'd say season one um is a little bit better like writing and like more satisfying ending and all that stuff but i'd say it's worth your time it's pretty short it's like i think season one is six episodes season two is like seven like an hour each Mm -hmm. so without too many spoiler alerts i looked it up because i was like what's this about it's labeled as like a satire comedy but is it like kind of weird it's like a dark comedy it's like a thriller with some funny stuff mixed in honestly it's like um there's there's like it's basically like a hotel resort and there's various guests and they kind of bounce around from all their storylines and they end up all sort of intertwining in different ways. But there's like a there's like a it's kind of like a murder mystery at the same time. Like, they like they're all terrible you, people, right? Kind In different ways. Yeah, they're all trying to figure their shit out and they all have a different like vice that's like fucking with them um and they'll like basically they'll and this isn't really a spoiler because they'll they'll show you this in the first like five minutes of episode one but there's like a death at the beginning of the show and they'll like they don't really show details but they're just like oh my god someone's dead and then they go like two weeks earlier and then you're trying to figure out the whole time like who's gonna be the one that dies hmm okay that now it's it's a fun watch it's like that's the best way i can describe it it's just like a very fun entertaining watch okay yeah. All right. I was just curious because it's all over Twitter and I'm seeing all these memes and I'm like the one guy in like a six person group chat. Just like, I don't know. I think you'd like about. it. I feel like you should watch it like with your girlfriend. Like it's a good it's a okay. good show like for that. Noted. All right. I'll have to get on that. And then obviously we have to ask you, you know, you were at the United Center last night for Ovechkin's 800th goal. Not only did he score 800, he scored it in a hat trick. And you bet him to score a hat trick before the game at plus what twenty eight hundred? That's an un. That's got to be the biggest. I think I got hit. it. At, I think I sadly got it at plus eighteen hundred when I first looked at it. It was like plus twenty four hundred, and then I waited a couple hours, and then I like actually placed it, and I want to say it was like plus eighteen hundred. But the the bet was I risked eight dollars to win one hundred and fifty two. Um, Steal. Had to risk the lucky number eight for his number. Anytime I bet like an OV goal bet, I always do eight bucks or something like that. So <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but yeah, th- this was honestly like just such a legendary night. I'm still trying to like wrap my head around whether or not it was even real. Like I, it, it felt so surreal from from start to finish for a lot of reasons. I'll try to keep this quick, but uh, basically, I I try to go to every every year when the Caps are in town once a year to play the Hawks. I try to go to that game. Didn't think it was going to happen this year because I have a new job. 
I'm at the office till five most days. And around that time of day on a weekday, it'll take you a good like two hours to get to Chicago. Um, you know, similar to the Baltimore to DC commute for those East Coast listeners. It's like could be an hour or it could be like three hours, depending on what time of the day you leave. So um the only reason I ended up being able to go to the game is because ESPN picked up this game like a week ago for some reason and moved the star time to 8 p.m. instead of 7 p.m. And that worked out beautifully for me. I left work, quick stopped at home, changed my clothes, threw my OV jersey on, uh, and then headed to United Center. Literally walked in, like couldn't have been more perfect. Walked in at like 745 uh, caught like the last like two minutes of warm ups, got a beer, sat down, and everything started. So it was uh, picture question. perfect. Yep. Did you did you pay for the beer? I did actually. Okay. You'd be proud of me or yeah. disappointed. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, paid for the beer. Um, which is even I don't want to talk about the price in Chicago. It's it's really fucked up. But um, <laughs> I can justify because I didn't have to pay for the ticket. Shout out to um. My dad's mutual friend with the Blackhawks who uh, hooked us up with probably the nicest tickets I've ever had for any game. Uh, we were like three rows behind the penalty box and like dead center ice. It was it was pretty sweet. Hopefully you saw some of the videos on the EB story last night. Um, but anyway, I'll cut to the chase here. I took my uh, roommate who had never been to an NHL hockey game before. Uh, so that was pretty cool for him too. And I, I, I gave him the whole spiel on the way down. I was like, listen, like some crazy shit might happen tonight. Here's what you need to know. Um, I also like, I, I just can't explain how I just kind of like knew he was going to score three goals last night. Like I, I placed the bet. I literally brought a beanie with me to throw on the ice. Cause I was like, he's going to get a hat trick and I'm not, I'm wearing a hat. I'm wearing this one, but I don't want to. <laughs> lose this one so i'm bringing a spare hat so i can have something to throw when he gets a hat trick because he's going to and sure enough like 24 seconds i think into the first period he gets the first one and right then i was like oh it's happening like it it's happening yeah uh two goals in the first and the third one in the third period what i really want to make sure i say here i cannot i cannot emphasize enough how classy the Chicago Blackhawks fans were about this entire situation. It was, it was pretty awesome to see, honestly, like this, I mean, it's an original six franchise, right? So this is, this is a a hockey fan base that knows hockey. They're not idiots. They knew what was going on from the very beginning. Like as soon as he scored that first goal, everyone in the building had that on their mind. They were like, Holy shit. We might be able to see like something crazy happen tonight. Um, and every time he was out there, like Blackhawks fans were like, get the, get the puck to Ovi. Like people wanted to see this happen. Yeah. And that was just, that was just really interesting to me. And like, people were talking to me about it. Cause I was wearing the Ovi Jersey and, and people were like, dude, he, like he, I, that'd be so cool if we all got to see that tonight. And when he finally got it, like all the Hawks fans were on their feet chanting OV, OV. That's cool. It was it was awesome. And, you know, he gave a little salute, skated around, center ice for a few minutes, and and everybody was just really in shock and in awe. And, um, yeah, it was an incredible experience. Only bad part about the whole thing is as, as soon as he scored the goal, I jumped up. I, I had a pretty full beer at the moment, and it was a draft. It was not in a can. I jump up, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm freaking out. 
and I'm I'm fumbling around to try to get this beanie like out of my coat pocket and fling that shit on the ice. And as I do this, a little bit of beer, okay? I'm talking like a splash, like pops out of the glass and like onto the dude's shoulder who's sitting right in front of me. And he's like some old guy. He's like, gotta be like, I don't know, 60, 70, something like that. He's not wearing like a white jersey or he's wearing like a dark blue quarter zip and like a little bit of his shoulder got wet. Right. And I'm going crazy. I was just like, I noticed it happened, but I was like, ah, fuck. Oh, well, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm celebrating. And this man literally like turns around and, you know, he's a Blackhawks fan. He he turns around. He's like pointing at his shoulder and he's like, oh, you spilled all over me. And I was like. (laughs) Sorry, buddy. Like I don't, I don't know what you, <laughs> what want, you me want you to say. Did you hit the sixty-year-old man with a buddy? I yeah, I did. I yeah. literally said, oh, yeah. "Sorry, buddy." Like I, I don't know what the fuck you want me to do. Hell with yeah, things, man. Well, like sorry, it... your freaking. Sh- I am sorry. I'm sorry. I sh- I spilled some freaking beer on your shoulder. But guess what? I don't really care at all. Right. Like, that was the eight like, hundredth. That was the hatrical. Yeah, that was the hatrical. What a loser. He's and lucky. Everybody's. He's lucky yeah. he didn't get a beer shower. Let's be honest. Literally, yeah. I was like, it'd be one thing if I like spilled it all over his head or something, or like my <laughs> whole freaking cup, like left my hand and went all over it was like a splash that jumped out of the cup like i still had like my full beer in my hand and i was like all right buddy i really don't care so right like at that point assuming it's like a drop like you're saying what you're you're fishing for someone to like apologize and i don't know what you wanted me to do he didn't even have a beer and it's not like he spilled his beer i'm not gonna buy him a beer because i spilled like like that could have just like happened just as easily as you like walking to your seat in front of him yeah, and like exactly. trying to do like the little sure. shuffle like right yeah and and given what just happened like have a little situational awareness one thing if he gets showered yeah but that's yeah. not the case right no, so exactly I don't know. have like, some you... ha- yeah have some awareness for what's going on and whatever yeah. and and actually he ended up leaving like oh 10 minutes later and... good fuck him and uh the blackhawks fan next to him who was like a younger guy probably around our age um he for some reason didn't like this guy's vibe either because as soon as the guy got up and left he was like bye fuck you you're a loser <laughs> yeah i don't yeah. know what his beef was with him but he didn't like him either so. so so i have to ask you some of the pictures that you sent was yeah. that you in the locker room or was that your dad no, that one was you? from my dad i was that gonna was a say pretty cool photo that he got the one of ovi holding the three pucks um and uh, the other one was was actually so uh, a really cool moment of last night was after the game, I got to go like um, behind the Caps bench and they're breaking down United Center, getting ready for like Bulls the next day or whatever. But there's probably, I don't know, a dozen family and friends type people who are just like waiting to see either employees or players who are going to quick say hi before they have to fly back to D.C. Um so waiting there and my dad eventually comes up and it was great to to see him even just for 15, 20 minutes and, and uh, you know, take a photo and, and unpack that moment together. But uh, it was, it was when he was leaving from that little interaction we had to head back through the locker room and to the bus to get to the uh, airport that he passed like Ovi's locker and saw all the hats piled up there and like the Ovi Jersey hanging and like a Budweiser on the top. And he was just like, that's a sweet photo. I, I got to snap that. That yeah. was so cool. Yeah, that was cool. What a night. Like, honestly, the way that you even like 
kind of laid out the story like the time the time change happens for the game because it gets national so you get to go and then you know someone who gets you not only like good seats like great seats yeah and you bring the spare hat like it it just lines up so perfect that's what i'm saying like i said at the beginning i'm still trying to like like wrap my head around that like last night was real and i and i you know i drove home it's a little quicker driving home late at night it probably only took us like i don't know hour and 20 minutes or something but um I got home at like 1 a.m. and I didn't fall asleep to like close to 2 30 because I was so like <laughs> Did you just watch the highlights over and over again? Literally, I was just yeah. in bed like scrolling Twitter, watching like a million different like videos and like audio versions of it and like just can't believe it. But uh, that's awesome. I'm glad you got to see that. That's gotta be one of, if not the coolest sporting event you've seen live. That was originally going to be my question of the day for tonight, um, but I, I didn't want to do it because I, I don't know my answer. I'm fortunate enough that I've, I've seen a lot of really cool moments, mostly Caps-related stuff, but uh, that's that's 100%, like, got to be top five, maybe top three. It was it was awesome. Yeah. Well, so cool. fewer people have scored 800 goals than have landed on the moon. Just think about that. <laughs> Damn. Isn't that wild? Put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. So you and saw he's... him get 799, or you saw him get 798, 799, and 800. I'm going tomorrow night, tonight, Ooh. when you guys are listening to this and have potentially the chance to see him if he keeps this up to tie and or pass Gordy Howe. So what? One, one to tie and two to break? One to yeah. tie, two to pass. One thing I want to note before we move on from this topic I feel so bad for one guy. And this is a guy who's been on our podcast before. I'd like to call him a friend of the program if I if I have the honor of doing so. Joe Beninati did not get to call last game, did not that get to sucks. go to last game because it got picked up by ESPN. Him and, him and Locker were in Winnipeg with the team, flew to Chicago, and then flew home from Chicago before the game because they just weren't calling it because it's an ESPN game or whatever. Clip, and, clip this and tag Joe. Joe, we love you. Thank yep. you. And and by the way, the ESPN call oh, was so lame. Can, can we get into this? So well, first of all, boring. Harry and I were watching on ESPN, and we only got to see two of his goals. Because <laughs> yeah, the first I heard one, about that. Dude, they they didn't even suck. show it because they're My showing... grandfather was pissed about that. Unbelievable. You watch his every so game bad. on TV, and he was on Facebook today ranting about He was like, this is that was the worst. Like it's some of the worst coverage of sports I think I've ever seen. Who gives a fuck about rat. Chris Chelios talking about some bullshit? Like it's a reading the Hawks starting lineup. It's like if you want to read an AHL starting lineup, I'll get you the Hershey Bears. Like by the on. way, when they read the lineup in the stands, I was like, "Who are you people?" <laughs> like the Patrick. Like who are you people? Like dude, they are horrible. Uh, also, so, shout out to another friend of the program who's been on interview guest, John Walton. That was an awesome call oh, for the radio. So good. So Great good. call. Pe- anyone who's like posting the video should just dub that over because it's so much more electric. I'm like, I'm done watching ESPN coverage. It's like they a, suck, dude. I'm going to mute it. I, I, I wish it at least could have been on. like TNT or something. They wa- they would have done a little yeah. better probably. Yeah. Like, Oh, but... a lot better. Well, no, the di- they're not even on the same. But it's, it's, I'm going to get it's not even now. the announcers that <laughs> yeah. are like the good part of TNT. But like, it's like Ke- Kenny Albert so. would have given it some like emotion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, at, like, dude, yeah. TNT and 
um, ESPN are completely different animals. Yeah. Like they, yeah. I don't even put them in the same stratosphere. And I had a fight with my friend about this. He's like, TNT seems forced. I was like, it's not forced. It's nah, good for hockey. Like, what good. are you talking about? It's good. ESPN, it's Chris Chelios television. It's all forced. Chris Chelios is on something. He's got to well, be on Zannies or some shit. He's <laughs> just like, he's like kind of like reading and he's like drooping. And it's like slowly like getting lower. Uh. Oh my God. It's, it's, uh, ESPN's horrible. And Steve Levy needs to retire. That guy stinks. I can't stand him. It's I just dread, like, I dread hitting channel 850 on Comcast. I can't stand it. I'd rather listen to like Lifetime Network in Spanish call that <laughs> than those wow. motherfuckers get it. it. I, they drive me nuts. Anyways. All right. I'm done. Sorry. No, it's, um, it's pretty bad. I don't, you know, I think it really did a disservice to the moment. Ugh. Awful. Don't get me started. One last thing, and then I swear we can move on. <laughs> kind of funny that all three of the goals were just like garbage goals, like no signature yep. one timers. He was just freaking like on a mission to just like take out the trash last night. And he yeah, I do it. love there was like four chances leading up to the third goal where it's like guys were just passing up like oh they were looking like they were three feet of open when net. he was like, not open at all. Like yeah. there's a few times where he was so covered and they're trying to like force passes <laughs> but I was like stop. Oh god. I, I'm still I, I was listening to that but I'm still triggered by the ESPN <laughs> stuff like I'm just thinking about the intermission panel and like I was trying to think of would you rather like watch Chelios Steve Levy and Messier talk about whatever stupid game that they have on television or would you rather insert blank maybe that's a question watch we can like ask the or... fucking bachelor or something like that yeah Honest to God, because I just watched The Bachelor like this past season because I've been forced to now, apparently. Um, I'd rather watch The Bachelor. I'm not even joking. Dude, I, I mean, like, you God. know, pound for pound, like if you get drunk enough, that show makes you feel great about yourself. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Abs- yeah. Absolutely. Um, now that we've had our 35 minute intro and I'm sure Rob Shrimp is listening like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, we are actually going to get into our interview here right now with Robbie Shrimp. Want to remind you guys that this interview is brought to you by Brackish Life. Let's take a minute to talk about Brackish Life. If you're like us and grew up on the water and outdoors, then Brackish Life is perfect for you. They have a wide selection of gear from UV shirts to hoodies and hats. It's Real Bay Apparel made by Real Bay people. Head to www.brackish.life today to check them out. A little salty, a little fresh Brackish Life. Did not have the ad read in front of me. Just want to note that. That was damn impressive. Thank you. Uh, we'll get to the news after the interview, but for right now, we're going to toss it off to Rob Shrimp right now. It's now my pleasure to welcome on to the Empty Betters podcast, Mr. Rob Shrimp. Rob, thanks so much for joining us all the way from Latvia. We really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, fellas. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, like we do with all of our guests, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about, uh, you know, who you are, where you grew up and how you got into hockey in the first place? Yeah, so um uh... My name is Rob Shrimp, obviously. I uh, grew up in upstate New York, Fulton, New York. Um, lived there until I was 15, until I moved on to junior hockey. I started playing hockey. Uh, my uncle was into it big time uh, with my two uh, cousins, Jeff and Chris Shrimp. They played. They were a little bit older than my brother and I, so we kind of grew up watching them. They were about, so let's say, 12 or 13 years older than us, so when we were about three or four years old, we were kind of watching them play, going to the rink, watching them skate and watching them play high school hockey, and that kind of was our start in the game, and um that's how it all it all happened um you know just just from watching in the full nice rink so grew a passion for it and then we started playing at four both my brother and I started playing uh he's three years older than me but uh when I was four years old I started playing and picked it up from there 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Fulton, New York, you're not too far from uh, Kingston, Ontario, I believe. Yeah, it's about an hour and 30 minutes, roughly. It's a pretty, really short drive, actually, up north. Okay, so was the youth hockey scene pretty big up there? In Kingston, I, we played a ton of tournaments when I got a little bit older, like 10, 11 years, no, probably like 11, 12 years old. We played a bunch of, you know, tournaments up there because the hockey was great, uh, especially spring hockey. A lot of the AAA teams got together and, like, you organized different players and what you play with during the year. So some of those tournaments up in Kingston, Smith Falls, um, Ottawa, you know, there's a lot of pretty great competition for us to come from the States up there to go to. So played a bunch up there as a kid. Harry, I think you're, uh, I think you're muted. Oops. I was muted. Sorry about that. (laughs) Um, so you obviously had some success with the Syracuse junior crunch, and then you make your way up into the OHL. Do you want to talk about your experience with, uh, Mississauga in London? Yeah. Yeah. So I started out with, it was, I was fortunate enough at 14 to play for the Syracuse junior crunch. Cause, um, it gave me the ability to play really pretty high level hockey at 14, 15 years old, where, uh, had it not been for that, I probably would have had to move at 14 because I just got to a level playing Bantam majors at 12 and 13. I was, you know, su- succeeding and having, you know, I was ready to move up. So it was great to have that team there. Don Kernan had the team there. We got to stay home, live at home for a couple extra years. And then, you know, that helped me kind of spring, uh, springboard into being first overall draft pick in Mississauga. So, um, got lucky, you know, Don Cherry drafted me in the OHL first overall for the Mississauga Ice Dogs and that's awesome. got a chance to meet them and the staff. It was pretty cool. And then they, the weird thing was they, they drafted me and then like a month later they sold the team. So it was a little bit weird, but the people that came in were awesome. Steve Ludzik was amazing and him and his family were amazing to, to my family and myself. And, uh, that was probably one of my best years of junior getting to play for Steve Ludzik. He, he really taught me a ton. Uh, just about taking the game to the next level. And, um, yeah, I was, it was awesome. That first year was really great. And some great players, Greg Jacina, um, Daniel Siska, Patrick O'Sullivan. We had some really good players there as well. So it was, it was a fun year. Matt Timmons is a guy from around the Kingston area. Awesome dude. Um, had a blast my first year, my rookie season. And again, it was a lot to do with the, the good group of guys in the room, but also Steve Ludzik taught me a ton, um, you know, about the game. So I was, it was fortunate enough to, to land there. What was the experience in London like? I mean, obviously that program has just grown into what you could kind of say is like the Alabama football of, you know, OHL programs that, you know, it's just so highly revered. You know, what was your time like there? It was great. We won a ton of games. You know, I, lo- I learned a lot about the game as well from Dale Hunter. I mean, he had an unbelievable hockey career and he's, he's got a probably even better coaching career. Um, at the time he was a young coach, you know, recently retired, but he had so much passion and, and drive to win him and his brother, Mark Connor. So the way that, you know, they set that up, it's in London, it's all about winning and it's all about, you know, producing top end players. So uh, it's a great experience. Got a chance to go there with some awesome players like Corey Perry, David Bowen, Brandon Pruss, uh, you know, my first year, Dennis Weidman, uh, Danny Bois. Just met a ton of great people. You go down the list, probably spend an hour just talking about the people I got to play with there. But, you know, the experience was, was uh, it was unique. You know, the first year I got there, had, we had a lot of expectations as a team, and we ended up falling short to, to a really good hockey team in Guelph. They had uh, Kevin Klein, uh, Ryan Callahan, Marty St. Pierre. They had uh, Cam Jansen as a tough guy. They had a lot of really good players. Wow. So we fell short the first year. Unfortunately, the, during the regular season, we only lost, I think, 12 games that year. And then uh, we ended up falling short in the game seven at home of the Western Conference Finals. The next year, we obviously 
we came back really strong and put up an unbelievable season won a ton of games that year we only lost seven games total um broke a bunch of records and wound up winning the memorial cup in london against Sidney crosby which was you know it was very unique because Sydney had a ton of um notoriety and a ton of following that year it was a lockout season in the nhl so people didn't you know especially in canada they weren't getting their hockey and we were kind of uh, we were producing that form highlights and winning games and putting streaks together. And then the final of it all, all being against Sidney Crosby, who was by far the best player uh, I've, I've ever shared the ice with. So it was, it was very unique. And then uh, to top it off, my third year was something along the lines. I, I thought I was going to have a chance to make an NHL team. I went there and had a very good camp. And unfortunately I got caught and came down really, you know, f- motivated in my fourth year in the league and, and, you know, did a pretty good job at torching it and put up a ton of points and, um, kind of was set to to prove in my mind, I was set, I was proving to them that I didn't belong there. I loved to be there. I loved London. I loved everything about playing for the Knights, but it was, I wanted to be in the NHL and I was going to prove why I should have been there. So uh, it was, it was fun. We, you know, we just came up short in the OHL finals that year against Peter, Peter Pete's wasn't expected. We kind of had a big year the year before, so it wasn't expected for us to get all the way uh, as far as we did, but we had a great goaltender, Adam Dennis, uh, Sergey Kuznitsyn was on our team, played very well. Uh, David Bowl, myself, Dylan Hunter were, you know, having a really good seasons all each. I, I had 145 points. David had 130 points, and Dylan had 100 and something points. So, and Sergey had around 90. So we we had a lot of fun that year with the new rules, and um, we won a lot more games than we were expected to. That's for sure. I think we were all the guys around the team the year before were really motivated because there was a lot of talk about how we were going to be shit because we lost so many players. So, you know, I was. <laughs> that motivated us pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the 145 points. I mean, for anyone who isn't aware, you also had 57 goals in 57 games. So that's just as impressive, if not more, I would say, I have to ask you because Sidney Crosby is like my hero. Like since I was 10 years old, that's when I started playing hockey. Like if you could describe what it's like to share the ice with that guy, like what can you even say? Uh, super competitive. He's super smart. And uh, he sees everything. You know, he sees the ice so well. Not only does he see the ice so well, he develops the play himself. You know, and there's not many players that can do that. Um, I mean, we're talking back in the junior days, like our team was stacked. We had Mark Mathot, Danny Sabret, Brian Rodney. Like our decor was stacked. Like nobody, nobody, uh, I'd say our decor didn't have a problem with anybody. And we were playing against Mike Richards, Jeff Carters. It's not like we weren't playing against very top end talent in the OHL. We, we had a lot of really good players in that league. Um, and they never gave our D problems. The, the first game we played against the Sydney's team, uh, Ramuski, we were down three nothing the first ten minutes of the game, and all three plays they were all Sydney. And you're like, oh my god! Like there was nobody who was at fault per se. You know, like I'll give you one example. Mark Mathot, Crosby came down the right wing, and Mathot came in to meet him. He came in over the blue line. He got to about the top of the circles, and Mathot charged out at him and went to smoke him. And Mark Mathot at the time was 6'3", 215, like strong as an ox, 18-year-old, 19-year-old defenseman. Crosby like leaned into him, met the, met that like uh, impact and held him off with one arm. And he kept taking him all the way down into the corner. He had one hand on his stick. He looked over his shoulder. He one hand sauce passes it over the other defenseman that was standing in front of the net, right wide open to Marco Antoine who snipes. And so it was not a fluke. The pass wasn't a fluke. The fact that it landed straight on the guy's tape wasn't a fluke. The fact that he could hold off Mark Mathot when Sydney was only 17, Mark was a monster 19-year-old. It was, everybody was like, oh, wow. Like, wow. Oh, whoa. Yeah. 
He's yeah. not. This is no joke. You know, this isn't just hype. This kid can really play. So for us, that was the eye opener. And then, you know, we wound up coming back in that game, winning four or three. Mark Pathotti had two goals, but um, for the first 10, 15 minutes, we were back in our heels and nobody did that to us all year long. So it was all Crosby and he really drove the boat. But you now I got a chance to play against him a lot when I played for the Islanders. And mm -hmm. The one season, I think it was, we played him four times. He had 17 points um, in the NHL yeah. level. You do a ton of video and stuff, and you watch through, through 17 points. There was 14 of them. There was nobody's fault. It was just like unbelievable play, unbelievable play, unbelievable play. You're like, oh, you know, not much you can do there. There was three, probably three out of the 17 where you're like, yeah, you missed your coverage here. Or you could have done this better kind of thing. But the other points, it was just like held off two guys at once and found a seam through a guy's feet that was like six inches wide, just enough for the puck to go through back door to Bill Garen wide open. You're like, Oh, that's pretty good hockey play. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm going to do, you know? So I don't know if that's too long of an answer, but that's, you know, just encapsulize it. He's just, he's amazing. He sees the guys so well and knows how to develop the, you know, develop the play on his own. That's a good answer. I uh, obviously want to get to some of the New York Islanders stuff, but before we get there, uh, curious if you have like a, a memory of your first NHL game uh, with Edmonton. Uh, it was pretty nerve wracking. I got, it was a call up at the, like right at the end of the season, my rookie year and I didn't really expect it. I didn't think it was going to happen. Um, was playing really good hockey at the time with Robert Nielsen. We we teamed up, they traded, I think that year they traded, we got Nielsen in a trade uh, halfway through the season. And, and from that point on, we really were tearing up the A, but I didn't expect it because it was so late in the season. So got the phone call in my hotel room in Norfolk. And it was something the coach called. The first time I answered it, it was like, hey, hey, Shrimpy, you're going up to the show. And I and I was like, yeah, I thought it was Dennis Bondby just screwing with me because I think, you know, he knew how much I wanted to go and, and how much it meant and whatever. So I thought he was just playing a prank. So I, I was like, yeah, yeah, F off kind of thing. I hung up the phone and we didn't, I never had a cell phone. Though. It was just a room phone. And then the room phone ran again in the hotel. I answered again. And it was like, Hey, Shrimpy, it's Todd Richards. It, you're going to the NHL, pack your bags. I was like, Oh man, <laughs> it's really you. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I told you to F off. <laughs> so I got called up and then it was just a rush to get there and let's get to Minnesota. But we were planning to get to Boogeyman. He was like, it was the boogeyman is a monster. And then having uh, Miriam Gabrick on the ice going like a thousand miles an hour, like the road runner, it was just like, Holy crap. Like those two things were like two extremes that I don't know. It was pretty bizarre. It was, it was eye popping and you're kind of like, okay, this is a totally different league. You've seen these kind of things out on the ice and, and you know, Gabrick was sick. And then again, the boogeyman was out there. He's like six, seven, two seventy, and like, just better not have your head down kind of thing. I almost got smoked by him, but thankfully his brother was down in Wilkesbury with us that year. And he, you know, I mean, him and uh, his brother and I got along really well. So I think the boogeyman let me off the hook, but he had me, he had me dead to rights and he kind of let it off and gave me an escape. So that was one thing I was uh, very grateful for. <laughs> I don't know if I would have survived that hit. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the, probably one of the top like 10 biggest guys to ever play. So that definitely wouldn't have, worked out well i feel like <laughs> no no um so your time in edmonton looks like you have about two two and a half seasons there and then your transition with the uh to the new york islanders do you want to talk about how that went down and then your experience up on the island yeah so uh once you get into your second year deal or your second deal like you have your rookie entry level contract and then you get the next contract um you get uh waiver rights so I didn't make the team out of camp again, you know, just wasn't a situation where I didn't fit in Edmonton's plans. And, uh, you know, they had a couple of new kids coming up, Cogliano and Gagne. So um, 
it actually changed over that year. Tom Rennie and Pat Quinn were the coach coaches. It's kind of like dual head coach. And Pat Quinn was the head coach, but it's something I was excited about to, to be a part of. But unfortunately, with the new draft picks and the new you know movement and new direction, I, I wasn't in the plan. So fortunately enough, I had those rights. And when I got sent down that year, I got cut from training camp or whatever. Uh, final cuts, I got picked up by the Islanders, which was it was a it was a blessing. I was there for long enough with Edmonton; it didn't work out, so I was really excited to move on and get a chance somewhere new where, you know, maybe they would appreciate you know what I could do in the game and give me a chance to play. So, you no, know, I didn't get much chance in Edmonton. So again, it was it was a, fre- a brush of a uh, brush a breath of fresh air <laughs> to get picked up and have a new a new opportunity and a new look on, on the game, on my own game and and you know, kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. So it was great. I got to Long Island. The locker room was great. Guys were really good and um, just a great group of guys. I fit in much better there. I felt and could be myself and get great guys like Andy Sutton, uh, Ricky DiPietro, Brennan Witt, Dougie Waite was around. So it was a, it was a great thing to walk into and get a chance to, to be an everyday NHLer. Um, for the next two years was was really something I cherished and uh, it was a big boost for me to get a chance to stay there you know again with Edmonton I, I could call up one game my first year two my second and uh, four my third so it wasn't much you know certainty and there wasn't much opportunity so this with the Islanders they told me you know you're going to be here you're going to be in NHL every day so get yourself prepared to get in the lineup and, and when your chance comes you're going to be a big part of the team so that was a great thing to hear and, and be able to go through and give me a lot of confidence and, you know, just relaxing and, and focusing on getting better and better every day. Instead, Yeah. Of- I would imagine that just sort of takes one element of the psychological away from it. Just sort of lets you focus on your game and get back to basics, if you will. Yeah. It's much, much easier to worry about like, yeah, working on your face-offs or working on my shot off the half wall or that versus like, uh, am I going to get called up? Am I going to get sent yeah. down? Do I, I don't fit here. I don't, all these guys don't like me. The coach hates me. Like all this crap can bl- really cloud your, you know, this game's a fast game. You got all that crap going on. How the hell do you execute? You know? So, um, you know, even when you're down the minors, same thing, your mind's so clouded. So it's tough to stay focused. You're not where you want to be in, in, that's where you want to be is like supposedly one step away, but it feels about a thousand light years away. So it's, it's tough to perform under that. So it was great to, to get rid of that and that those years with long Island and, and get a chance to just, again, focus on, okay, game puck drop. How am I going to be a factor in the game? What can I bring to the table for the team? Um, that sort of, you know, mindset versus again, like the one I just went through. If I'm not mistaken, cause I always get him and Stamkos's draft year mixed up, but that, Year, your first year on Long Island, I believe, was Tavares's rookie year. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, he was 18 year old. Uh, he was, yeah, that was his first year. How was what was that like? I think we have a lot of Long Island listeners, so I know that they would be interested to hear that. Yeah, it was really good in the beginning. He came out guns blazing, was great. He was putting up points and scoring. And, um, but I, I feel in my, in my opinion, not that it matters that much, but um, there was a lot of pressure on him. I think the same happened for Ricky DiPietro as a first, you know, first overall pick. Um, kind of like weight got put on their shoulders. So Johnny did well in the beginning, came out of, you know, first 20 games was hot, scoring a point a game, playing very well. And then he hit that slump where you know, things weren't going that great, you know, offensively for him. Uh, and I think being an 18 year old kid, it kind of caught up to him a little bit. Eventually it's, you know, the beginning was like that magic energy that you can run on as an 18 year old. But then once you get in the, you know, the November, December of an NHL season, everybody's hit kind of hitting stride in the league. 
and they've seen his stuff a little bit. And that's the thing with, with these guys that have success over a long career, the consistency that they've done it with is amazing because again, once you hit November, December in an NHL season, all teams are firing all players, top players are, you know, these gaps are unbelievable matchups, the line matchups uh, happen, you know, the, the gamesmanship in the game is, is there and it's tough to produce as a, as a, top end guy and as an 18 year old that's a lot of pressure so johnny you know got hit with that <clears throat> excuse me his first year but uh, he handled it well you know he's always been a constant professional quiet guy just handles his business um that point i think he was really frustrated you could see it you know i think he went on like a 10 game pointless streak and that was something that he wasn't used to at all coming from a you know what do they call it the special uh Underage, yeah, yeah like under the exceptional thing, status or whatever. Exceptional status, yeah. Sorry, I just butchered that. But he had exceptional status in the O, and he tore it up, and he'd been turning it up for the last while. So, and then he came to the show, and he was doing it for the first twenty. But that the ten games, I don't think he'd been on a ten game slump, and maybe ever. <laughs> so, but it was cool. I mean, he he worked hard on his game. He worked hard every day after practice. It never stopped. Even when he was slumping, he worked even harder. So, he got through it and and came back and started scoring points again. But you know, those, I don't think I'm, I'm saying any, nobody knows, but like those teams of those years weren't that good. We weren't that good um, as a, as a hockey club, you know, we were getting, we we're losing a lot of games and it's pretty frustrating. Um, you know, for Johnny, I'm sure. And for myself, I can speak the same coming from London. Like we barely lost any games and, you know, and then in the NHL, we're getting mopped up. It's, it's frustrating. So it's, it's tough to handle. And again, for him, it's probably a much different situation. Like I'd gone through years in the minors and then, finally getting a chance. So I was a little more appreciative. He was first overall pick, a lot of pressure on his shoulders. So we're talking about it from two different angles. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. You know, there's so much hype and there's so much attention um, as a first overall pick. And it's, uh, I mean, it's not easy for sure, especially for an 18 year old kid, take a organization on their shoulders. Definitely. Um, switching gears a little bit. Uh, you have some of the absolutely nastiest hands I think we've ever seen, you know, where did all of that come from? Was that just stuff that you worked on, you know, as a kid, you know, we've all seen the videos online. I mean, I used to, you know, not do, you know, computer assignments in high school and just watch, you know, the videos of you doing the <laughs> lacrosse moves all the time. Uh, you know, where did all that stuff really start? Yeah, I don't know, really, to be honest with you, I just kind of like, I was always just an average hockey player. Well, it was good. Not, but not on the, any kind of scale. Like I played, I wouldn't call it house hockey. It was called travel hockey. So it was all the small towns around Fulton. You know, we play Auburn, Elmira, like Swigo, very close to home kind of. So I was just kind of good for that circuit. And then, I don't know, something out of nowhere, like 10 to 11 years old, like I just grew a bunch and I got really skilled with all the sports, baseball, lacrosse, hockey, just kind of clicked for me. And it, for me growing up though, We'll say I spent a lot of time playing all sports, um, always had a stick in my hand and always that kind of thing. Lacrosse was big for me. I felt like lacrosse was the biggest. Uh, I thought that was like the biggest thing that transferred over to hockey, just getting really good. If you get good with lacrosse stick and you get dangles with that and you can, you know, really cradle a ball and start doing the tricks with it, you start doing it with a hockey stick. It's it's kind of it's obviously different. You don't have a pocket on a hockey stick, but I, I felt like the physics of it was exactly the same. And I, I just always thought, why not? So at 11 years old or 12 years old, I just started doing this stuff, the lacrosse style stuff with a hockey stick. And then it just transferred. I don't know. It was pretty cool. But the Mike Lake thing was a big thing for me watching that. I saw, the you know, that was huge back then and ESPN played it a lot and 
And then again, I, th- I saw him do it behind the net. And then I thought like, why can't I just do this in the open ice? Why not? As long as it's below your shoulders and like it's legal. It, but that back then it like pissed a lot of people off. <laughs> Still does, <laughs> kind of, like, I think. Uh, you know, <laughs> drove people nuts. Yeah, you know, and that's 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 the mentality that I grew up in. So I was like, that creativity I got to do it as like a kid, but I I did it because I loved it. Like it just was fun for me. Like once I learned how to do that, and I you know worked on it, and I don't know, I just to do that. It's hard to go back to just doing normal stick handling, you know. So um but that stuff like stick handle golf ball i always hit a ball something honestly always something in my hands and and working on hand-eye coordination or stick handling and getting the feel for the ball big thing for me was uh like whenever i'm doing my work as a kid like always having like imagination in my head of like a game you know like a game situation like i'd be stick handling always imagine like dangling a d or going shelf on a goalie backhand like whatever it was it was a lot of imagination work and i felt like that's important you know, I think that's important for kids to do is when they're doing their practice, like imagining, imagining the situations and sort of like then working out the, the solutions, you know what I mean? Instead of just literally going to your garage and just like, if I do an hour of stick handling, I'm going to be Rob Shrimp. Well, you and I would be two, doing two different hours. I would be imagining burning a defenseman and making the footwork to do it and the handwork and the dangling. And you'd just be standing in the garage stick handling for an hour. So it's, you know, I think it's important that the little details that I used as a kid growing up will be helpful for other kids. And that's that, that part of it, just working on those things, but having some, you know, thought process behind it. Yeah. We had a, uh, a guest on probably about a little over a year ago at this point. I don't know if you follow him on social media or know who he is, but John Schiavo, he also um, was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's awesome. Oh, he's the man. He was a great guest for us. He's another stick handling guru who kind of gave you a shout out when he came on our show guy who was in the Islanders organization and, he was saying that, um, you know, he obviously watched you and saw what you did. And then, you know, we started talking about, okay, like, is there something that you can do with your stick that might like help give you an advantage? And he always said that if you learn how to do all this stuff with a straight blade, it'll be way easier if you actually have like a, a bigger curve once you finally upgrade to that. Do you have any like weird like stick specs that you think helped you do that? Uh, yeah, I used to stick handle without with like a like Adam Oates used to do it. Um, Adam Oates used to cut like his blade basically like two thirds of it off and just oh, have wow. like the heel of it. And that's something that I used to do a lot with just like imagine if you can imagine probably like maybe like three or f- to five inches of the stick on the bot, you know, from the shaft to the blade, the blade only being three to six inches long, like that, that just that little bit and learning how to control the ball stick handling with a golf ball like that it's really it really helps you control it and have feel and touch so that was something i did a lot of especially like and then when i you know when you break a stick like instead of wasting it i just I'd keep that if it was the blade that broke i would keep that and use that shoot pucks with it uh, stick handle with it i felt like shooting with that small blade really gave you a ton of control mm-hmm. uh both for stick handling and then if you if there's enough strength to the blade you can shoot some pucks with it i take one timers with it um you know trying to time that perfectly because you don't have a full blade anymore and you got to time it perfectly and then also hit it perfectly if you want to catch it with a small blade like that but that was something i used to do it's maybe a little quirky but um super helpful beneficial yeah yeah for sure How's it been, you know, now looking at, you know, you know, we, we obviously talked with Shavo about creativity and you mentioned that as well. What's it like seeing guys like, you know, obviously Zegris and, you know, you have Forsberg and Svechnikov doing this now in the NHL, you know, what's that been like to see? 
It's all, it's great. It's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's hard to swallow because of the, the not swallow per se, I'd say, but the, the stuff that I, I got kind of chucked at me coming through as my, in my career from doing that, I was just ahead of my time and people were going nuts about it. Like really negative stuff. Like my mom and dad were at every game. They could hear the people talking shit. Um, and they weren't like normal people. It was like scouts and, you know, people that mattered in the game talking like this and now it's like celebrated. So it's on one side of it, you're like, finally, you know, it's great. It's great for the game. Like you want to see that creativity, that differentness, you know, and instead of everything being so simple, simpleton, but um, yeah, there's two sides of it, right? You're kind of like, man, what I went through and what I did here for this and now it's celebrated versus the other part of it's like, well, it's good. At least the game's growing. At least now that people see the value in it, it's not to say that we need to make the game out of uh, into a circus, but like, there, you know, you should be able to bring your talents to the, to the, you know, to the ice and you see guys in the NBA that can, you know, they go down on a, go down in 360 dunk. Is that entertaining? I, I mean, I, I personally think so. And I think a lot of people would agree. I think the game needs that. And that's what I always felt. I, I felt like that. Like I grew up with Michael Jordan. I've said this in many conversations, but Michael Jordan was an idol of mine growing up. And like the way he played the game was not only dominant, but it was also entertaining, you know, the dunk from the foul line with his tongue out, like, and if they did that in hockey, they would have been like, you know, you punk or you hot dog. You know, that's that's the kind of way it was. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to, you know, evolve. I'm glad to see it evolving. It's just, you know, it always gives you those memories of what it got to get there uh, for me personally. I want to circle back real quick just to your career before we um, advance more on the, the stick handling talk. But I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but in that 2010 season when you ended up going to Atlanta, wasn't that their last season in town before they went back to Winnipeg? Yeah, exactly. It was 2010-11, I think it was. Yeah, it's the 2010-2011 season. I mean, I can't remember because I was a lot younger then and didn't really understand it at the time, but like the team knew they were moving at that point when you were on the roster, right? Well, I had no idea. <laughs> oh, no idea. <laughs> I'm sure other people did, but I, oh, okay. I, mean, I got picked off waivers that year, halfway to the year. So I really wasn't in the loop of things. Um, gotcha. And tell me the inner working. So, well, I mean, I found out in June that year after the season, the other thing like got there. So, you know, Long Island was great. Um, got an opportunity. Unfortunately, got it moved. You know, numbers game. Josh Bailey was a young kid coming up. He was a top, you know, I think he was an eighth overall draft pick. So there was, you know, he was more valuable than I was. So I got moved to Atlanta. When I got to Atlanta, there was a guy named Rick Dudley there who I'd known from Steve Ludzig, my rookie year in the minor, or rookie year in the O. And I'd known him since 16 years old. And I finally had somebody that was in my corner, believed in me. He'd known me a long time. And I thought I was like, perfect. I'm in Atlanta. I'll have a job, at least some security here for at least a couple of years, you know? And then flash forward to june get a text group text from andrew ladd it was like hey boys pack your parkas we're heading north and i was like what <laughs> what? what does that mean and then sure enough you get the news cycle going and it's like atlanta thrashers are sold and they're moving to winnipeg and then the next <laughs> came out they're like they fired the whole front staff i was like oh man oh, that's brutal so yeah, yeah. That was the story, but that I got to play there the last year that they existed, though. So it was pretty cool. I still got the bag. I bring it to men's league all the time. The boys, that's awesome. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's actually you could probably sell that for a ton of money, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, one, one of the cooler logos, honestly. I always thought their uh, their look was pretty cool. Yeah, great jerseys too. Yeah, I like that. I like the sweaters, man. They look they were pretty cool. They did. They, 
they're fun to put on, you know, there's different teams I played for in my career that you put the sweater on somewhere like, yeah, this is brutal, especially in Europe. There's some that have like <laughs> literally grocery stores all over them and this and that <laughs> advertising. And you're like, man, you know what I mean? Like I, one of the freshest ones I put on was a lot of nights one. It was just so fresh. It was so basic. You know what I mean? It was your Jersey, the nice logo. And then it did, it had the CHL patch on it, but, but that's the league you're in. So that makes sense. Right. And it was yeah. just fresh and clean. That's you think of like the Trey Red Wings sweaters, like they're such clean, you know, mm-hmm. um, then you get to Europe again, you got like the grocery local grocery store all over your chest and your pants and you're like, why do I do it? But, yeah. I mean, since, since that Atlanta state, you know, you've now been playing over in Europe for like the last 10 years, basically, had a hell of a, a a journey over there with with a bunch of cool countries. I mean, what would how would you sum up your European hockey experience? You're diverse. I've got to see a bunch of leagues and see a def- bunch of different styles of hockey. So that was something I'm always grateful for because it you know allows me the ability to talk about it and learn from it and teach other players about it. So you know, it's one thing to know the game in North America, but you come over here, the rink's bigger, it's a totally different style. So it gave me the you know kind of the knowledge and experience to be able to help players on a different level from from experience and not just being some north american player that was good so um it was unique you know it's totally different i find it it was more each each country was different sweden was great hockey really structured and you know switzerland was a little bit more like wide open and fast and kind of a little bit more like ball hockey you get some high scores and you know breakaways all over the place but um, yeah, the, all all the countries were different and very unique in, in their own respect. Did you have one that was like a favorite or was there like a favorite city to live in? Oh, I would say Switzerland was my favorite. Yeah, Switzerland's amazing. Like the, the country's beautiful. Uh, the ranks are pretty cool. There's a couple places. One's Davos. It's like a, you know, wooden cathedral. They play the uh, Spangler Cup there every year. It's really unique. Pretty, oh, yeah. really cool ring in the mountains and it's you know they have the g7 i think believe it's the g7 summits uh, g7 yeah so, shane doan was just saying that on chicklets yesterday um about the spangler cup since he's the gm over there he said it's beautiful out there yeah it's it's sick so that's really cool and then there's one other place in that league called burn sc burn um they got they have it's a i want to say fifteen thousand seat building and on one side of it they have like this one massive wall it's like twelve thousand people and it's just the, from the you know ice level to the ceiling, and it's really high on that side. It's all concrete, and they stand up the whole game, chant. They got their chants, and they go nuts. The building energy is insane, so it's really cool. It's just very unique, very different. Um, you know, it's like a soccer or a football style setting. Football for Europeans, soccer for us Americans. <laughs> but it's like a soccer setting. You know, their chants. They get the drum going. They don't sit down the whole time, and they go nuts. So really unique experience. So with those two spots. Out of all the uh, you know teams you've been on, locker rooms you've been in, is there one that stands out that was like the most tight knit, or some that you just have some you know funny memories or stories from? Uh, I mean, junior days, our our London Knights team was really tight. We had a great group of guys. We all uh, were on the same page in a lot of respects as far as playing hockey together, going out together, having fun together, and, and sticking together. So it was we had a we had a blaster. That team was special for a lot of different reasons. You know, it was junior, but. You know, we hung out a lot off the ice and, and did so much thing, uh, so much stuff away from the rink together. We always stuck together. So that that group was tough to to beat. You know, and you know, it's junior juniors different. It's you know, guys making fifty bucks a week versus when you go pro, it's guys have families and stuff. So it's a little bit different, you know, and that time will always be cherished. But um 
I'd, I'd say Long Island, to be honest with you, that, that group of guys was really tight, really, you know, pr- we were all pretty much in the same age age range, uh, a couple older guys, but we had a good core group of guys that were, you know, mid-20s, early 20s, and we hung out quite a bit and had, you know, really Kyle Poso, Mark Streit, myself, Milan Andersina, we always stayed around the rink for two, three hours after playing ping pong, little stuff like that that just is, you know, it's great, great memories, and uh, it was good for camaraderie. Do you have a memory of your first goal on Long Island? Yeah, against Tim Thomas. It was actually like Kyle Poso was on the other side and he looked right over at me and I was I was licking my chops while I was drooling because he saw me and I was in my one-timer spot that scored probably a million goals in junior from. And he looked right at me and it was coming and I'm ready to let this clapper go. And then this puck got deflected on the way over and it went towards the net and I was kind of like, damn, there goes my spot. And then the puck just like bubbled around and then Matt Molson was where he always was in front of the net, just jamming away. And I was kind of behind the goal line at that point. It just fell off of Tim Thomas's pad. And I was like, Oh man, that's open. And I jumped in and I kind of bounced it off his foot and in. And then, uh, yeah, the puck went in and I, I kind of, I threw a hell of a celebration. I was so pumped. I waited for so long for that goal. And I uh, finally went in. I skated up, did some fist pumps, and then I I did like a jump into Mark Streit's hands. I almost blew his back out, uh, jumping into his arm. <laughs> it almost killed him. But I was I was super stoked, man. I, I again I waited a long time and envisioned that. I envisioned the goal going in a lot differently. You know, the million times I took it as a kid, but whatever, man. Beggars can't be choosers in that situation. I was just happy to to produce. Um, I'll make I'll make this my last question because I know you um we don't want to keep you too long, but who's like one of your favorite players to watch in the NHL now? I'm assuming you still watch, and if some guys don't, um, but do you have like a favorite player that you like to keep an eye on? I mean, there's a lot now. It's it's crazy. Like, you know, McDavid is super special. Uh super special player. Him and Dry all those guys are fun to watch. Patty Kane, I love watching him always. Uh, there's a bunch of, there's a handful of guys that are just really worth the price of admission. I think the game's evolved a lot and we've, we're hitting a pretty cool peak right now. Guys like Cal McCarr, McKinnon, you know, it goes down. I mean, you got, there's a ton. So I really enjoy watching it now. It's just, it's changed the rule change of 2005. I know it's a long time ago, but it's just finally starting to get here. I think full, like full swing where we're seeing, I mean, I'll wake up in the morning here and see nine, eight scores in the NHL. Like, this is crazy. You're seeing seven fives. You're seeing a ton of offense and a ton of, uh, yeah, a ton of creativity happening. So there's a lot, there's a lot to watch. But I think, like, for me, I break down a lot of those guys' stuff for for other players and and to teach them things. So that's my role now. Um, There's so much, so many rich clips with information from today's players, like what they do and practice them with the purpose. How do you, you know, I'm not going to turn the next guy into McKinnon, but you can take some stuff from him. McDavid, same thing. There's small things like, you know, how he surveys the ice. And then you, you always go back to Crosby again, every single night, he's got probably 10 or 15 things that other players can learn from if you just, you know, sort of pay attention to what they're doing. So I did, I didn't answer your question. Apologize, but there's too many guys out there. To, no, you're you know, good. You're there's good. So much, you know, there's so many good players now. No, it's an exciting time. It feels like every team finally has a star player. I feel like back in the day, you know, there might be a couple dud teams where you're like, yeah, I don't really – nobody – I really want to watch on that team. And now you, every team has someone where you're like, okay, that's kind of box office material. It's cool. Yeah, I agree. Was there Nick, one specific player you tried to model your game after growing up or, you know, one player you gravitated towards watching? Uh, there's a few through my career. Like Mark uh, 
Peter Forsberg was a, I was a huge fan of him when I was 12 years old to 11, 12 years old. I loved his game, the way he played his, you know, playmaking ability. And, and when I was growing up and those for my time and that that's how he played in the NHL was kind of how I was playing in like youth hockey. Like I would have two or three guys mauling me slashing and, you know, chasing me around. And we watched Peter Forsberg's NHL highlights. Like he used to drag NHL players around. Oh, <laughs> they'd be like on him, you know, him. I loved him. I loved Kovalev. I thought he was, I just loved his flair and the way he, I don't know, his shiftiness and the way he handled the puck was really, there was a couple guys that kind of shaped the way I saw the game. And Marcus Naslin was one of those guys. I loved the way he played. He had, you know, really the finesse and the way he can snipe, uh, set up plays. Those guys really shaped the way I saw the game. And I love watching them and, and trying to emulate what they were doing on the ice. And, um, you know, there's, yeah. Better off. I remember one goal against Washington. He came down the right side. He comes in, he hits the brakes hard, and then the goalie backs up in the net, and then he goes absolute shelf, top glove. I remember that goal clear as day. Practiced that thing a thousand times. There was a bunch of players. You know, and the thing was back then, you only really had like ESPN highlights like five minutes in the morning to watch. We didn't have like the ever, uh, never ending loop of you, you know, YouTube and never ending loop of Instagram now. And it's crazy how much is out there now. You can get so much. I, I find watching certain stuff and following certain stuff, you get so much information so fast. Uh, but back then it was kind of like, I saw that a couple of times and then I had to like keep that memory and try to reenact that moment. And, you know, try to, you know, the other one was Mark Messier's right, right wing snapshot on Marty Bedore probably took that shot 10,000 times. Um, you know, it was a little bit different back then, but you know, that's again, that picture memory I talked about a little bit with the stick handling, um, you know, those sort of, those sort of players, that's what they produce those for me, those moments where I try to duplicate. And then you can do that. If you can master that and do that at Bantam major, you, you dominate. <laughs> Again, those yeah. moves are filthy, right. They're doing it at the NHL level. Joe Sackick snapshot. I did his snapshot was really in, you know, uh, it was really uh, important to me. I, I followed that. I love the way he released the puck and I try to always just copy that release that one legged snapshot. Um, and now we got shooting gurus in today's game. They're, they think that they invented the one-legged snapshot. Like Joe Sackick was doing this, you know, mid-90s, late-90s, like every time, low blocker snapshot, that jump snapshot. And, yep. yeah, it's, it's interesting to see people try to take uh, trying to take credit for it now. But, like, man, I saw that in 1998. Like, get the hell out of here with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's No great. chance. Yeah, you didn't get that off TikTok. That's been around for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. No hashtag brought you to that. That's right. just that's just eyeball test on the old cable TV. Yeah. But uh Rob, we really appreciate you joining us. I just want to share this with you. So last night I was just scrolling Twitter talking about social media and I can't remember what the page was, but um, you know, we we all listen to like all the hockey podcasts and Matt Murley, who's part of the, the Chicklets team, there was a post that um was on Twitter and it said if you could watch one NHL player again in like today's rules and the environment, who would you pick? And I mean, he commented Robbie Shrimp. And I was like, wow, isn't that something? Because that was last yeah. night and we I knew we were interviewing you today. So um, you know, you've inspired a, a bunch of people. Like you know, I don't, you might not even know, maybe you do, but it's just like, everybody's kind of doing what you were originating on YouTube back in 2009, 2010. You know, I think Oliver Wallstrom plays for Islanders. Now he was that 10 year old kid on sports center doing 360 moves. And 10 years later, he's in the NHL ironically for the Islanders. And he credits you for all that. So it's really cool what you've done. And we really appreciate that. You, uh, you know, you came on and joined us. I appreciate the words and appreciate your time guys. And 
if you have anything in the future, I'm happy to jump back on or whatever you need. I hope you guys all the success with the podcast. And uh, again, thanks for your time. Thanks for your questions. I appreciate it. It was, it was great to catch up with you guys and yeah. have a conversation about hockey. I love talking to hockey. So anytime you want to have another one, I'm always open. Awesome, man. Glad to hear it. All right, fellas. Take care. You Take too. Take it easy. Big thanks to Rob for hopping on with us. Such a cool guy. And we really appreciate him making the time and his schedule. I know he had to coordinate some tied and different issues with him being over in Latvia. So once again, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, I had a blast during that one, guys. I mean, Such I used to watch interview. I used to watch his highlights all the time, like I mentioned on the in the interview. And just to get to talk to him about it was really, really cool. Cool guy, really easy to talk to. And uh, we probably could have kept going for like another hour there, but we had to let him Oh, easily. <laughs> I'm going to show my age here, and this is going to be a very in-depth story, but I can remember 2008, I had an Easton Z-Bubble shaft with a Steve Iserman navy blue Easton head. And if you know the Iserman curve from back in the day, it's not very big. And I watched Rob Shrimp on a toaster oven in 2008 on my (laughs) iPhone 3GS do stupid shit with like the puck in the air and swinging it around. And I was a kid at Patterson Park in downtown Baltimore trying to pull that shit off and I couldn't do it. Um, And at that moment I was like, wow, like this is impressive. It took me years to try to learn how to scoop the puck. And he's the reason I started. So I want to give Rob a shout out. Do you know how many holes I put in the drywall in my parents' basement trying to do this? Oh, hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah. He's, he's a legend of the game. Like, I don't think people, unless you've really been like into like the youth hockey scene, like from an early age and you were in that whole like YouTube generation, I don't think you realize how like legendary this guy is. I mean, he's no, I mean, like you heard and you mentioned it in the interview, you know, like Shavo said, like that was the guy for most of them. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Um, honestly, like probably top three interview for, for me that we've done so far. That was, that was really awesome. Good stuff. All right, let's get into the news. Um, we had a whole bunch of stuff come out about Gary Bettman this week. Um, well, I don't know if there was like some NHL meeting or not. Didn't really pay attention. But no. the <laughs> the quote of the day, um, here we go. So you all know that there's now digital dasher boards that we didn't know were either televised digitally or real in life at the start of the season. I guess we've learned that now. Hey, we figured um, it out. Okay, We, we did figure it out. We did a good job. And as many of you know, a lot of people have complained about it being a distraction. You know, it changes from PPG Paints to Comcast to United Healthcare, whatever, you name it. Um, there's been some glitches in that broadcast and such. Gary Bettman's exact quote on the digital dashboards were this. The polling we do with our fans gives us the feedback that it's not an issue. Many think it looks better than having the numerous logos on the dashboards. It's working extraordinarily well. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, he goes on to talk about how, like, if you're watching the game, the board shouldn't really affect it. And to a degree, I sort of agree with that statement. However, it's not the smoothest, you know, editing sometimes for these to be superimposed in. Like last night, the water bottle above the caps net was like flickering red and white. (laughs) It just looked like a little goal light above the net. Like, so I don't know, like. There's some weird things about it. Um, I saw a screenshot. I forget yeah. who posted it, but it was like uh, literally like the like the the graphic is like it looks like a video game or something. It, it like goes through like the ref and like two of the players, so it makes it look like their top half is like invisible or some shit. And it's like, 
what are we like what are we looking at here? I believe like, that it, was evil gritty. It was. It was. Sense. Yeah. That would it, make sense. That it's just terrible. I mean, I I don't want to talk about it too much because it's kind of just a stupid thing that doesn't really matter that much. But Gary Bittman's an idiot. I think. We yeah. Why? Why did we do this in the first place? We could have just stuck a thousand different stickers on the boards. Race cars have been doing this since the dawn of time. Be better. It, to be honest with you, like as a guy who's watched thousands and thousands of hours of hockey in his life, it, I really don't notice it. Like if you. I feel like it's more of a casual fan thing. Like, you know, if you don't know, like you, us three, for instance, right. You don't need to know where the puck is to figure out where the puck is. Like you could play a hockey game and they could hide the puck from us and we would be able to tell what's going on. Yeah. Well, body I language. watched two of them with my eyes closed these past two weeks and I knew where the puck was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and like for the casuals, you know, they, they kind of need to really see where the puck is. And I think when things get in the corners behind the net, maybe this kind of becomes a distraction, but that's his life. Your TV's dirty. There's a little spot. You're like, is that the puck? I don't know. Yeah. This yeah, is yeah. also like, and I will say this is a huge issue in the boomer hockey fan community. They are all over Facebook about this. So yes, yes. As they usually are with most things. So time in to pay, all, in time all to pay a visit to the uh, Costco vision center and up your reading glasses uh, <laughs> prescription. Don't all sleep right. on Costco glasses. They're great. I, I'm wearing I them right them. now. I, I wear them all the time. I have no complaints. Their vision center rocks. Or the hot dog deal. True. <laughs> uh, moving on, we got Craig Barube, coach of the St. Louis Blues. Uh, he had some comments about his goaltender, Jordan Bennington's antics and temper as of late. Uh, about a week ago, the Blues were on the road in Pittsburgh, uh, and the Blues goalie shoved a glove into the face of Pittsburgh forward Jason Zucker, who was circling behind the Blues goal. Uh, the Blues were getting beat up pretty bad. They were trailing the Pens 4-1 at that point, and Bennington pool, was pulled in favor of Thomas Grice after the second period. And on his way to the bench, he appeared not only right after shoving Zucker, but then when he was going to uh, the locker room after the second intermission, he was joined with both uh, the Pittsburgh bench and the officiating crew. And on his way, doing all that jawing and talking, he was given a 10-minute misconduct for inciting. So, you know, we've talked about Jordan Bennington a decent amount on this show in the past couple of years. We definitely have talked about him a lot more since Huso left town. And it looks like the wheels have been coming off a little bit here. So what are your guys' thoughts on Bennington at the moment? I'm going to say right now, uh, did you did you read the Barubi quote already or uh... – I did not. You can go if you so, have it, you can go ahead. Yeah, it's he said it's gotta stop. It doesn't help. Just play goal, stop the puck. I couldn't agree with this more, honestly. I think it's spot on. I think I you know, I get maybe maybe some blues fans are probably saying, like, oh, like Barube is being too harsh on him, like he doesn't know what it's like to be a player, or be a goalie or whatever. But I think the spot on and the best part of that whole quote, it doesn't help, right? Like that it's not helping anything. This is like a total youth hockey move. In my opinion, from Bennington, it's like, you can't be this much of a hothead for that long. And like every time, you know, like you got to get it under control because it's not helping. If anything, it's probably hurting. I doubt his teammates like it. Like I'm sure they're like, dude, cool it. Like, you're getting us penalties. You're you're just making shit worse. Um, yeah, I think I think Brube is spot on. I think he's got to get it under control. 
I also like, you know, I totally agree with everything you just said, Mac. I could not agree with this more. So two things here. One, for a player's coach like Barube to openly say this in the media and hockey culture, you guys know this by now, you don't ever criticize your own teammates. You never criticize your own goaltender. This is a big deal for a coach to do this, for him to step up and say, hey, this doesn't help. Just shut up and stay in the net and play goal. That's big. Number two, like, yeah, he's a goalie, so he can do all this stuff, and then there's going to be zero repercussions whatsoever. Like, yeah, it's going to piss me off. It's sort of, I know it's very different than going back to the whole Rupp talking about Matthews not getting involved after starting a fight It's a little similar. But it's similar. You come out and you give someone a forearm shiver with a glove to the mouth, what do you, you think be they're, ready to they're like just going to run the goalie that. next play? It's like, no, they're going to go right after whoever they're lined up against at the face off. That's a great point. And like, yeah, it, it just goes to show his teammates are probably suffering for it in, in more than one way. And let me let me revise a little bit what I said, because I think you made another good point. I think I, I don't know that Barube should have said this in an interview. That right. might not have been a good idea. But he's absolutely right. What what he said is correct. I don't know if it was a good idea for the for the state of the team for him to say mm-hmm. it, though, because you make a good point. You should never, ever, ever criticize your goalie, whether you're on his team as a player or you're the coach, especially if you're the coach, honestly, because that also doesn't help. So. No. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you've listened to the pod long enough, like, you know me, I like guys who kind of get – I like agitators. There, I said it. I, I have a soft spot for him. I, I think it's cool. I think it's entertaining. Um, I think Bennington's wildly entertaining. And any time that he gets, you know, heated up, especially in a playoff series, always makes for a little bit of a better storyline. But from a teammate's perspective, you know, you're taking penalties, you're getting misconducts, and you're just not playing well. I mean, you know, the Blues have lost four of their last six. I'm looking at their schedule right now. Um, he did post a shutout uh two nights ago against the Predators. Uh, but upcoming, they've got the Oilers, the Flames, and the Canucks, and the Kraken, and the Golden Knights, and then the Maple Leafs. So their next six games are absolutely brutal. Um, you know, we're going to really see what Bennington has in store for the, you know, what how how is this going to work for the Blues? I mean, they're locked up with them. Their backup's not a starter. And they're just not playing well in general, I would say. So, yeah, I would say that he probably needs to cool it or uh, start winning. Yeah, yeah. I was my brain just broke for a second. I was gonna say, um, on a flip side, maybe he just needs to like start like inciting a ton of fights, and then he'll get better. <laughs> I don't know. One or the other. Spin I mean, zone. That's the other thing for. is, this is not the '60s. This is not the '70s. This is not the '80s. You are not Billy Smith, and you're not Ron <laughs> Hextall. So it's like, if you want to be Billy Smith, yeah, fine. Win four Stanley Cups in a row, dude. Then we'll talk. Yeah, win games if you're gonna fucking do this shit. That's yeah. a good point. Agreed. Um, speaking of St. Louis, former St. Louis Blue Alex Petrangelo uh, steps away from the Vegas Golden Knights for the moment due to an illness in the family. His absence is labeled as indefinite. Definitely sending thoughts and prayers to the Petrangelo family and uh, the Golden Knights community. So um, we've got Shane Wright, Dylan Gunther, and Brant Clark all going to Team Canada for the World Juniors. For those of you who forgot, like myself, uh, we did just have a World Junior Tournament over the summer that happened to replace the COVID-canceled one from last winter. But now we've got a new one coming up, what, in a week or so, right around Christmas? A regularly usually. scheduled program we're yeah. back to now. Yeah. yeah. It's usually so, the day after Christmas is when they get things going. 
So, Nick, I would say you're probably the biggest world junior geek out of all of us. What do you got to tell the listeners about this? Well, Canada's getting three NHL players, so it must be fucking nice. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine that per usual, they're going to be the favorite to win it. Of but... course. Yeah. Yeah. So and, until um, they lose, until but... they don't face adversity, until the championship and lose. again. <laughs> yeah. Right. But uh, significant for Shane Wright scored his first NHL goal last week after being sent down to what was it? The Coachella, the Coachella Valley uh, Firebirds. Firebirds. Yeah. The Coachella goal. White Girls. <laughs> it, yeah go hang out in coachella for a week and then come back up and score your first nhl goal what a horrible life um but shout out to shane wright for that against uh, the habs too like the team that, that part snubs you cool. like yeah 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 i forget some somebody called it on twitter uh terry yeah i thought so yep T- T- our boy terry who came on for a uh a youtube interview about the wild a little bit ago he he was all over that i was like plus 500 you know what's funny is i saw that and i i bought in i was like oh that that makes a world of sense and i went on uh the website which will not be mentioned (laughs) and uh you know he wasn't there if you've ever worked at this particular website uh mr goldstein i hope you're listening um you would know that if a player didn't play the prior game this makes fucking sense. He's not <laughs> listed as a player for any prop bets for that game, even if he's going to be playing in that game. So it wasn't even there, and I knew it was going to happen because Terry tipped me off, and I believed him, and he was right. And then I saw the goal. I was watching the game. I saw it happen, and I was like, of course, right? Where is he? I yeah. want to talk to him. <laughs> Only sometimes. Yeah. In there, a SpongeBob quote: "Only sometimes." Isn't the magic Maybe show? someday? Yeah. Maybe someday. That's yeah. what it is. Damn. Yeah. yeah. Maybe someday you can bet on <laughs> players that didn't play the previous game for props. Yeah. Oh man, I missed that. I missed those days. Maryland. Uh, Maryland finally got like official, so it's not the same anymore. But yeah. Um. All right. The Seattle Kraken have claimed. Oh Jesus Christ. Eli Eli Tol Tol Tolavainen. Come on. This one's not even hard. Sound it out. You got this. Eli Tolvanen. Eli Tolvanen. Eli. Fuck. Tolvanen. Tolvanen. Yeah. Eli Tolvanen off of waivers from Nashville. Uh, I know when we had, uh, God, what? Pete Weber. Predators guy. Huh? Pete Weber. He talked about this guy. Said he had a lot of upside. Not bowling Pete Weber. Just wanted to make that very clear. Predators Pete Weber. Yes. He talked about this guy. Um, in our interview, got a lot of upside, so Hard good up. find for the Kraken. What'd you say? Uh, I'm just uh, I'm just telling Nick to pour it up. Oh, okay. Because he's because he's pouring it up. Can do. Okay. Yeah, this is big. I mean, I'm pretty sure this guy was a first round pick. Yep, yep. He's he's definitely he he kind of reminds me. I've seen him play a couple of times. He reminds me of like Burakovsky a little bit. The way that he looks, fantasy skates. monster to start the year. There were a yeah. lot of people on Cap Twitter being like, why didn't we claim him? And I'm like, all right, cool it. We've claimed like everybody and their mother, yeah. like Milano, Abe Kubel. How many people can we have? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think he'll, I think he'll find a nice home up in Seattle. Uh, he'll definitely find right more of a role. I think like Nashville just being Nashville, the way that like their cards kind of fall. He wasn't mm-hmm. getting top six minutes consistently. And I don't think that's an arena for him to be successful in. Agreed. 
Uh, reports are indicating that Bo Horvat has rejected the Canucks final extension offer. And the team is now expected to take the best trade offer for him. Uh, he was recently interviewed after a practice where he was said he will have no further comments on the issue and is focused solely on the Vancouver Canucks this season, which means he is solely focused on getting the fuck out of there. Yeah. So, he is so gone boys, like so far gone. Brock Besser so, too. Yep. Brock Besser too. It sounds like Vancouver might be cleaning house. So let's let's dive into this a little bit. So here's the tricky part with Bo Horvat. He's his contract is up after this season. Nobody really knows if this has to be a trade and sign, sign and trade, or if he can be a rental. I think that's definitely playing a, a key part here. I mean, if he's just a rental, dude, this could be league shattering if he ends up going to like, let's say. I don't know. Give me some leaders. Colorado, I don't Dallas. want this, but why do I feel like Boston is going to find Boston? They're going to find a way to make that work. Or like, so, I don't know why I thought about the Islanders. Just like they get him. I don't know why it just struck me as like not as big of a star name. So the Islanders would actually go after him. The Islanders don't. Um, I don't know where you've been, but the Islanders don't acquire people. Yeah, they don't they spend don't, money either. Yeah, They just don't really like. They don't know that trading is part of it, so they just don't do any of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that means Philly's not going to do anything for sure. True. They also don't. But they have the orb. That's why. We know True. why, at least. What that. do you guys think about Winnipeg? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a real good one. I feel like he would fit cold. perfect. Shifley and Dubois and Horvat down the middle, that, that has a ring to it. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Who, me? No, Mac. No, so what, what do you say? think about Winnipeg? He you said, guys, "What do you think cold. about?" Cold. <laughs> yeah, that's, cold. Just, that's what I think part. about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> must have missed that part. Mac, I don't know why your, I got uh... I got Winnipeg vibes. I also got Calgary vibes too. Okay, I could see Calgary. Ooh, yeah. I don't know. This is interesting because if someone just rents him, I mean, he could go to a loaded team, and all of a sudden they're double loaded. So I don't know. It's something to keep an eye on. If it's a, if it's a. Um, uh, sign and trade, then that changes everything. I think. I, I want to... Besser. I don't. I don't want any part of whatever Horvat's contract is or is going to be. I want Brock Besser though. So I that was going to be a follow up question I had here. A ton of people have been saying Brock Besser could be a fit for the Washington Capitals, and that both made me terrified inside and kind of excited at the same time. Brock Besser, you are a Washington Capital. <laughs> Um, no, it, it is terrifying though, because we've got Wilson and Backstrom hopefully coming back pretty soon and we're going to have to clear cap. And the last thing we need is like signing another expensive player. So it probably like doesn't make sense, but I, I mean, in concept, conceptually, I'm here for it. Yeah. Every single team in the freaking league is going after Brock Besser. I have a yeah. feeling that he might get a bigger haul than like. He might get a bigger haul than Horvat just because of the contract situation. What, what I've been reading though is that um, they don't expect to get much back for Besser. Mm -hmm. Like they, I they saw think, second rounder and stuff. Yeah, like that. I literally saw people saying it's going to be like a second or a third round pick, or like a second and a third, or something like that. Why and would like, the Pens and, or Caps not just do that? What well, blank? That's what I'm saying. Like I could so that that sounds like the most Caps like like no, GMBM but... just. Is like, yeah, you can have a freaking third round pick. Like, you can have Lars yeah. Eller and a third round pick for Rock Fetzer. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, and no, it just makes you think. It's like, why wouldn't you go after that? But yeah. 
Um, I don't know. It's it's going to be an interesting trade deadline. Vancouver is going to be making a lot of moves. Uh, last thing before we get to the discussion segments, uh, Tage Thompson, got to give him a shout out. He's been lights out so far this year. He had five goals and six points last week in a nine to four win against the Columbus Blue Jackets. He had a hat trick in the first period. He had four goals in the first period. Um, he had six shifts and four goals. I don't know if that's a record, but it's got to be close. Um, just a couple numbers for you guys. So Tage Thompson right now, his 82 game pace numbers. This comes from Dmitry Filipovich on Twitter. Uh, he's on pace for 65 goals, 60 assists, 382 shots on goal, and 167 high danger chances. Uh <laughs> I mean, he's easily the breakout player of the year. Is there anyone else who even comes close that I'm not thinking of? Honestly, it's it's hard to come up with someone to refute that point. I think, you know, for him to be on pace for that many goals is great. Do I think he'll get there? No. I'd probably say 40 is a safe estimate in my opinion. But, I mean, the dude's pl- been playing unbelievable since the season started. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's been an absolute beast for the Sabres. So, um, maybe... Maybe I know since you guys are Ovechkin guys, you'll you don't want to hear this, but he's fourth in the league or third in the league right now in goals. Could be a good value pick for the Rocket Richard if McDavid ever stops doing McDavid things. But um, yeah, he's a fun one to watch in Buffalo. Uh, six foot seven, just the an absolute beast on the ice. You definitely can't miss him. Um, all right, Nick, I'm gonna let you uh, guide the discussion for this Jacob Truba segment. So we got another big uh, a blow-up hit by Jacob Truba. I'm sure you guys have seen it now. It was on uh, Andreas Athanasiu uh, the other night. What did you guys think of this hit? And then we'll dive into Athanasiu's comments following the game. Uh, I'll let Mac tee off if he wants to. Yeah, I didn't like it. I, I did not like the hit. Um, I think, and and like you said, we'll get to in a second, I think Athanasiu's comments are pretty spot on. And that's coming from a guy who has Jacob Truba on his fantasy team. And he really hasn't done much of fucking anything. Like that's not a captain hit. That's not a fucking, he, he just shouldn't be the captain. Like he, he's not scoring goals. He's delivering cheap shots. He's kind of a bum, honestly, (laughs) like for lack, like, I'm just going to say it. Like he's having a bad year. He is, and and they just named him the captain, which is just a bad look when everyone said it should have been Kreider anyway. So, Agreed. Uh, yeah, I don't really, I don't really like Jacob Truba's vibe right now. It says everything you need to know about what that team plans on doing with Chris Kreider down the road. Just saying, uh, I thought it was late. I thought it was high. I thought it was totally uncalled for. I mean, I hate Jacob Truba, so I think you know my thoughts. <laughs> also, am I mistaken, or I feel like. Poor Andreas Athanasia. I feel like he's been the victim of like a couple like pretty brutal hits over the last couple of years. Like I feel like this is not the first time that I've seen him like on the wrong end of just like a really bad hit. Yeah, he he has been. He he's one of those guys though, dude. He flies, but damn, he cuts across the middle with no fear somehow, and he he just gets clobbered. That's he got happen. lined up for sure. And after the game, he was quoted as saying about Truba, he's an $8 million man with zero goals. So he has to figure out how to do something when making that much. If you can't help the team, I guess you just try and hurt guys on the other team. I echo that. I know that firsthand. Yep. <laughs> who, who was it that, uh, this is a, this is a sing, uh, similar comment. Um, just the other night, I, I want to say it was, uh, 
Darnell Nurse and somebody. It was Jordan. You're yeah. the Jordan Greenway thing. Yeah. 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 He said, like, um, you make $9 million and you fucking nothing. And you don't do like shit that. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, love I phenomenal. love when players, like, chirp at each other for how much they make and how little, like, importance they have to their team. Yeah, One of my phenomenal. favorite chirps from all time is when they tell, the like, the guy from the minors, like, oh, turn around. What's your name again? Yeah. Classic that's a matches. classic one yeah. like pull, pull in the name be yeah. like who, who are you like what the hell yeah, enjoy classic your three matches. games uh next discussion point this one's been talked about a lot so we're going to take a little bit of a different spin on this but as you all know probably by now because it went viral uh jack edwards just a guy that we have talked about time and time again on the show <laughs> i would say like this is the fourth time we've had to do this okay just, so before like, we go that i can further, remember Yes. Before we go any further, he had some comments about Pat Maroon's uh, body. So we will insert the audio right here. Listed 238 pounds. That was day one of training camp. I got a feeling he's had a few more pieces between then and now. Yeah, that's before pregame. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fasting. <laughs> Inadvertent fasting for Pat Maroon is like four hours without a meal. (laughs) But hey, three cups in a row, who can argue with his formula? Okay, so as you can uh, hear, you know, in 2022, that is not going to fly, obviously. Uh, That made its ways around the internet. I'm sure you've all seen Pat Maroon's response, the donations that he's made. Um, all that good jazz. We're not here to, you know, report that that this is kind of like a week old at this point, but more so rather, like if you're Nesson, what are you doing? Like th- this is like Nick said, this has got to be the fourth time in the last. Why is he still years. employed? Why is he still half employed? the Bruins fans hate him? Yeah. And the other half defends him to the fucking grave. Like I saw so many dumb ass Bruins fans on Twitter being like, what? Like he complimented him right after that. He said he's won three Stanley. What are you stupid or something? Like- and it's like, <laughs> dude, that is the most like. If you've never heard like a backhanded compliment, that's like, that's all that is. That's him just trying to like be like, well, but what do I know? Because he's fucking one. <laughs> that, that doesn't count as complimenting somebody when <laughs> seconds prior you're saying they're like fat as fuck and like like that just. The fact that so many Bruins fans really thought they were like, but he complimented him. What the hell? Like, yeah, I it was it was a little uh, <laughs> just out of bounds. I mean, Maroon talked about it on Chicklets. If you haven't listened to that interview, you, you should. But I guess like for me, you know, I don't think Edwards should be fired for like this comment. Like, this isn't like me saying he no. needs to lose his job for calling him fat. Like, it's not that. I agree. He's just not a good announcer. He like, just sucks. Just firing for being a loser. Like, yeah. Like, now, you suck. Goodbye. You are not good at your job. <laughs> goodbye. Now, like, I mean, now granted, he's, he gets, I will say this, and this is the age we live in. It's sad. He gets clicks. Like, he it's gets the classic. Yeah. It's the classic no publicity is bad publicity. That's yeah. what Nesson is doing here. They're like, well, guess how many people went to our website to watch the clip of this video or whatever? And then okay. commented, like, fuck you or whatever. Right. But 
I'll tell you what's fucked up. So when when I watch out of market out of market games on ESPN Plus, you get to choose between the home broadcast and the away broadcast. And nine times out of ten, I just click the first one unless it's the Penguins playing because I love Mirzy, friend of the program. Thank you. Um, or I will put on Jack Edwards strictly for entertainment. I'm like, what the fuck's he gonna say today? And oh, I know- I'll avoid him. I'll do I know. the opposite. Well, I was going to say, avoid you him. avoid it. I just am like, I got to hear what this guy says. Yeah. I, it, it's like That's I can't. Fair. I, have, it's I, like I a get it. It is bomb. pretty funny, honestly. But like, it's uh... my other issue with this is like, it's not like he said it and it was like, okay, like, shouldn't have said that. It's over. Let's move on. Like, the puck went back and forth like five times and he's yeah. still like riding the guy. I'm like, okay, right. like. Joke didn't land the first time. Joke yeah, did dude. not land the second time. Maybe we it, don't go for it a third, fourth, and fifth time. It also just had nothing to do with anything. Like there, it, it's just like yeah, what are you talking about dude. Like just fucking do your job. Like also like the game. Like you missed like three other little plays that happened. Like you're supposed to be the fucking play by play guy, right? Talk about what's happening instead of fucking trying to like make fun of the other team. Like what? Like, a, what a fucking loser! You ever heard of the phrase like "He who lives in a glass house should not throw stones"? It's like maybe the dude that looks like the human incarnation of Pee Wee Herman should not be making fun of what any <laughs> of somebody look like. Of what they look like, yeah. I'm just saying, got his ass. Like, get him. I would love to also ask this question um, on social somehow. If we make like a like a little post about this. If you had to choose, like, I was going to say five, but I'll choose three. If you had to choose, like, three out-of-market broadcasts, you're like, I'm, I have to listen to this one and not that one. What would they be? Because for me, personally, and I don't know the names of the announcers, Detroit, great broadcast. They're Always. Um, What's-his-face and Ken Daniels, they are fantastic. Yes. They're I one. actually like Seattle a lot. Isn't that Forsland? Or, Forsland's uh, really good. Uh, yep. I, they're not in my pick, probably because they're too new. Like I haven't listened to a ton of them. But Forsland, I great. hear Forsland. I think Hurricanes. It just pisses me off. That's isn't what does Eddie it for O me. with Seattle now too? Though yeah, he is. So yeah. and and I love Eddie. So Colorado is my second. Don't know the name of the guy, but he's electric. And third, um, excluding Canadian, because like it's so fucked up how they do it. Sometimes it's TSN. Sometimes it's Sportsnet. Right. It's like you never. Know I will say on. though, if there is a Canadian team on ESPN Plus, I always choose the Canadian broadcast yeah. over the American broadcast. Oh, yeah. easy Rangers. Rosen's awesome. He's if not I, bad. If I'm watching the oh Rosen's great. Come on, I hate the Rangers, but Rosen's really good. Yeah, I have a uh, some trauma yeah. to deal with from yeah. my <laughs> high school I'm, middle I'm, school I'm with age. you on that yeah. one I'm, I'm not gonna comment here um there's okay. a certain game seven that mm, no I, listen i don't want to yeah. talk about that i get it he's he's very good though i have to give it to him yeah mm-hmm. i would also put dallas in there too okay. maybe it's just because they're exciting right now but i don't think they're all that bad yes i i no, i can get behind that one i can i can get that Try to think if there's any other any other one. I Minnesota's hate Philly. Philly's really bad. Philly's bad. St. Louis is decent with Panger. I like yep. St. Louis. Um, but yeah, I'd say my three are probably Colorado. Yeah, Colorado, Rosen with New York. I can't even remember what the other fucking one is. You I said Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. Detroit. Yeah, there you go. I'd love to ask listeners that. Um good question. Thank you. Nick, good guys of the week. I'll let you have it. Yeah, good guys of the week. Uh, we go from like the Jack Edwards of the week, which 
by the way, that's a thing now, um, to the good guys a week. So four players of the WHL's Brandon Wheat Kings, amazing hockey team name, by the way. Can we just say that? Uh, they were actually able to help a man who was contemplating suicide uh, earlier this week. Calder Anderson, Nola Ritchie, and Ben Thornton and Jake Chason were driving around the city after leaving like a Samaritan House program they were doing. Uh, when they saw a guy standing on a bridge, they were able to get out of the car, talk to the guy, calm him down, call 911, and um, ended up saving the guy's life. So huge shout out to them. Just shows the kind of guys that hockey players are. Yeah, I mean, uh, what more can you say than that, Nick? I mean, you hit the nail on the head. That's feel good story. Stuff. Yeah, incredible Love stuff. It. Good work. Good work, boys. Um, all right, let's talk about around the league real quick. But before we do, I think Nick has a word from our sponsor, Kane Footwear. I do. You guys know that, you know, recovery is important. Mac was dealing with recovery from his illness. I was recovering from my eyeballs. Uh, you know, recovery is very important. And that's why we really encourage you guys this holiday season to get stocked up from Kane Footwear. The Kane Revive is made with bounce back uh, foam with sugar cane technology in there. It is fantastic. I've been wearing my canes in, out of the house all week. I've had like 10 people as I've been going to all these follow-up doctor appointments, ask me what they are, where to get them, stuff like that. Most comfortable shoes you will ever own. Go check them out today. The link is in our bio, Kane Footwear. Thank you for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, three stars of the week. Number one, Chucky Lindgren of the Washington Capitals. What do you know? Mac's been hyping this guy all season. Chucky, number one star of the He's week. He's on my fantasy team, baby. <sighs> Fuck. Oh, um, speak of the devil. Fantasy hockey update. Let's do that, boys. One sec. Tage Thompson, number two. William Nylander, number three. Those are your three stars of the week. What's up? Fantasy hockey update. Let's I don't know talk, what you're talking about. Let's oh, talk let's about let's how, how Team Bat Dust got completely bat dusted. Yo, <laughs> I don't have a goalie. I really don't. Like, I thought Sorokin was the guy, but they've been playing Varlamov a lot. And, oh, guess who has Varlamov? Um, <laughs> uh, let's talk about real quick, Nick, uh, who who we owe a big thank you to because uh, – we For those do. Of you listening, I I wanted Nick to beat Harry because I'm in the same division as Harry, and we have a similar record. Uh, and you know, I may there may or may not have been some there, collusion going on. Some some com- there was some friendly advice going some back conversing and conversing about you know who might be able to help certain teams, and uh, I simply recommended that Nick pick up a guy who was a free agent. A man by the name of Large Stoppage David. You guys might know him as Big Save Dave. Dave Riddick. Yeah, but Large Stoppage David came up clutch for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely clutch. Mm-hmm. So Mac told you to pick up someone because you were playing me. We were bouncing ideas off of each other. Yeah, we were just kind of spitballing, yeah. you know? This was Fuck also you guys. like that right... should be illegal. It's not illegal. I would That's do illegal. that for you. I would never do that for you. It's not like oh, I thanks. like drop somebody so he could pick him up. He was just a yeah. free freaking agent. I just was like, hey, if you knew, I would never, I would never help anybody. Maybe we weren't selfish. playing each other, and no, yes, and we Nick were. And the, yeah, you guys were. No, like Nick, Mac and I, Nick weren't. and I weren't playing each other. Also, Nick is in the other division, and his record doesn't like affect me really very much. Mm. Like, but mine does. Yeah, I want you to lose. It's like an <laughs> indirect, like fucked up three way. Harry, really how many times here. do I have to remind you that during hockey season, you and I are mortal enemies? <laughs> oh, I have no doubt of that. But I, 
I would not. I can genuinely tell you, I don't think I would give Nick advice if he was playing you to in effort for you to lose. I like Nick. He's cool. Thanks, man. It, 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 it's nice to know that someone on this podcast does. I don't. No, his, vision, this, his vision's too blurry for me. This was. <laughs> hey, I'm actually 2020 as of yesterday. There you um, go. That's really this like was 26. also while I was putting together a trade with Jackson. So like that I vetoed. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't understand trade. why there was so much I just backlash. Fu- I just in, fuck with you. In the discord. I, I about understand that. why. But yeah, I need some I need some trades in my future. I don't have a goalie. That's the problem. Yeah. And I've actually, got three now. If you want to talk, I didn't have anyway. Any... I have five. So <laughs> yeah, my, my whole literally my whole damn, five. My whole damn team's hurt, too. I also annoying. started zero and three and now I have like the same record as Harry. So no, yeah, I've been cold lately, but well, it'll, it'll you, come around. The division you guys are in is gone. Like, gone. Lit. And then the division I'm in, it's just like Fellers is just gone. Yeah. Like no one's going to touch him. Yeah, of course. Tomas. I need to. Can I move divisions? I I thought that I ran. You want to swap? I, one for I one. randomized the divisions when I made this. And I thought like just eyeball tests, like before we drafted teams, I was like, oh, this will probably be fair. Like I like. Just based on who I thought would draft good teams and who I thought is like usually good in the league, I was like, "Yeah, this will be good." It's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. One division's like A squad, other divisions like B squad. Yeah, yeah. Um, quick little gambling tidbits. I mean, you talk about hot teams. Both of our teams right now, probably the two hottest teams in the league. Um, the Leafs nine zero and one in their last ten. Man, they are absolutely humming at the moment. Um, the Pens eight one and one in their last ten. They're also humming. The Caps are seven two and one in their last ten, and they've won five straight. They're also humming. So any of those three teams, I mean, if you're looking for some good value when they're up against a formidable opponent, example, the Pens against the Stars the other night, you're gonna get some good value for a hot team. Hell yeah, love it. Uh, this one also tripped me up. I can't believe this is a real stat, but fifty percent of Leon Drysaddle's games have hit the over one and a half points. So do with that information what you will, as, as Mac would say, but that's just a wild stat. Um, also, the Oilers played the Predators last night, and anytime they play the Preds, they just feast on them. So um, Why do I feel like the name of the game is going to be like shifting from McDavid over one and a half to just doing him and Leon over one and a half, like separately and parlayed, parlayed. every night? Yeah, because I mean, at least if the parlay doesn't hit, like one of them's gonna get it. So, so on the day you're listening to this, when this drops Thursday, um, the Oilers play the St. Louis Blues at home. Our good friend Jordan Bennington that we just talked about has been letting up a lot of goals. So, just something to keep an eye on. Um, real quick, let's talk suspensions. Jeff Skinner, he sucks. Um, he's suspended for three games after being in a complete coward for cross-checking Jake Gensel in the face and knocking his teeth out. That was a horrible play. I can't believe he did that. He should be expelled from the NHL, in my opinion. Um, you were pretty say. fired up about that Jesus. one, if I remember correctly. He, dude, that was the cheapest shot I've ever seen. He literally took like the like shaft of his stick and just wrecked Jake like in the teeth, and he escalated the entire thing. I was pretty fired up. I was like, I was you know. so close to trading for Jeff Skinner and fantasy like a week ago. Like I'm talking so close. I was like hovering over the like accept trade button and then i just was like i can't do this and i'm yeah. glad do you remember well, the he... other time he got suspended for kicking someone yeah I... brief 
remind me who that who did he kick? Do you remember? I don't remember who he kicked. I don't remember. But I remember, kicked, like, I remember seeing that. the article uh, of when this came out, and so the only other time that he was suspended in the NHL was like it was I think like well over five years ago for kicking someone. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like something that scumbag would do. Which, like, I mean, when you have like skates on your feet, is kind of a dick move. Fucked up move. Yeah. yeah. Um. Seattle Kraken's Jamie Alexiak has spent three games for the hit on Capitals. Alexiev, thoughts, comments, concerns? Yeah, I mean, this one was rough to watch. The principal point of contact was kind of Alexiev's mouth, face. So he's <laughs> he's on IR right now. I texted you both uh, when this happened uh, and said I wanted three games, but we got three games, so I'll take it. Yeah. Spot on. Uh, brutal hit, especially given the situation with the Caps. Like, we just can't we can't be losing people right now and uh especially not defensemen so that one hurt a lot but uh yeah not a good hit deserving of three uh moving on to injuries we got jacob Vorchak telling the media that he's feeling okay but the chances of him returning this season are extremely slim um he had a head injury that's why he's been out it's probably the seventh or eighth of his career so hope that Vorchak is going to be okay um, the Avalanche, they'll be without Nathan McKinnon for about four weeks due to an upper body injury. Uh, the Panthers have placed Hornquist on long-term IR with a concussion. Shea Theodore of the Vegas Golden Knights, thanks on my fantasy team, uh, out week to week. Jason Zucker of the Penguins, also out week to week. And Jeff Petrie of the Penguins has been placed on a long-term IR. Hey, real quick, uh, Jeff Skinner got suspended when he was on the Hurricanes for kicking... Some guy named Scott Nickel uh, on the Blues. Who? So, yeah, I don't know. He'll probably end up being a guest one day. Watch. Um, <laughs> Scott, we would love to have you. We'd love to, to have talk you. about this intense <laughs> Mr. karate Nickel. match you got in on ice with Jeff Skinner. Mr. Nickel, we would love to hear the story firsthand. Yeah. This is how this works. There'll be a group chat. Usually it's like Nick or Mac will give him credit and they'll be like, hey, like this guy used to play here. <laughs> he did this. I follow him on Instagram. He's right in that wheelhouse of the follower account we want. Let's get him on the show. Like, can we do it this? I'm like, sure. And then next thing you know, boom, some, it meet someone and there it is. That or like one of us will send a YouTube video. It's like, hey, remember this? Yeah, that's kind of how it works. Uh, let's do real quick State of the Union. I know this one's running long. Um, caps go first. What do you guys got to say? Hot daddy. This team is hot right now. Sexy. Yeah. Won their last five Good. in a row. Good hockey team. Yeah. Things are Good. coming together, but Mac, I think you made a great point earlier. Right now, the name of the game is stay healthy. There's so many guys on the back end are banged up. Faravari, Orlov, Jesus, who else? Yeah. It's like, just stay or- healthy at this Orlov's point. Orlov's back in the lineup, so hopefully that sticks. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Bless you. I do like obviously that backstrom and wilson are traveling with the team now so that's an encouraging sign hopefully that means they'll be back relatively soon um and one other thing just to touch on the ov 800 goal thing one more time i feel like that's the kind of thing that can really galvanize a group right i mean that's like a that's a really feel-good moment for the whole team um it's something that you can kind of build around hopefully build off of so I'm hoping we can maybe see them kind of go on a run here and uh, keep the good vibes going. I feel like typically when you look back at some of Ovi's big milestones, it's uh, 
it's had some domino effects in a, in a good way on the team. So I'm hoping for more of the same with that yeah, uh, this time around. You touched on it a little bit earlier that they're not too many points out of a wild card spot. And that's the name of the game, as I've been saying for the last three, four, five weeks, is just stay around where the Rangers and Penguins are in this division come the break. Yeah, Nick, you've been really consistent yep. saying that, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, as long as you guys are staying in the hunt, it, it's all about the home stretch, really, for you guys, I think. So, especially uh, if we can stay in the hunt just until Wilson and Backstrom are actually back in the lineup, too, like that's going to make a world of a difference for yeah. sure. How's Kemper looked? I mean, granted, Lingren might, Chucky might be going yeah, number one. I don't know. That one's a weird one, too. Goalie uh, controversy in Washington? No, not yet, but getting there. Yeah, no. I mean, that he was never happy. That you was guys. pretty cool. Um, what I will say is kind of crazy. Imagine you're Hunter Shepard for a second. For those of you who don't know, that's our current backup, the guy backing up our backup. <laughs> um, and you just got called up just in time to be a part of the whole freaking OV 800 goal situation. Like, if you watch the Caps video from last night in the locker room of them all, like, throwing beer and celebrating like he's right in the thick of it hunter shepherd in the fucking goalie pad <laughs> it's like incredible dude. look like after all the guys like pour onto the ice you just yeah. see hunter shepherd with like his hat on and just this and massive hair freaking, just yeah i love it like what yeah. a beauty pretty cool pretty uh pretty sick to be him right now i'd imagine um moving on to the penguins i mean kind of the same story as the caps right now they're hot they've won six in a row um, one back-to-backs against Buffalo pleasantly, just beat a really good Stars team at home. And, you know, they've been on a little bit of a homestand here, but now they're going to go head out on the road for their next two. They're going to be playing the Panthers, who have been pretty good this season, honestly. Um, and then they play Carolina, and then they come back home to the Rangers in Carolina again. So some road games coming up, four games before the Christmas break, see how they do. Uh Crosby, I mean, man, I, he's just carrying the team right now. There's no doubt about that. Um, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before the show. I mean, I've been pumping Crosby's tires left and right. Ovechkin's only got four less points than him so far this year, so I think Ovi deserves a little more credit than he's getting as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the pens look good. Jari has really turned it around. I mean, he's look, he, he should honestly – I mean, maybe I'm a little bit homer here, but – if he puts together another four or five wins in a row, he's going to be in the Vesna finalist conversation, you know, come January. I really believe that. He's playing really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then Petrie being out sucks. Um, Zucker being out sucks. They've both been real good for us. So we'll see what happens. Not sure. But I can assure you they will finish higher than the Washington Capitals in the standings. Mm-hmm. And then Mac will have a nice, pretty black and yellow jersey behind him. On his so right that ear. that's still on, right? Like you guys are still doing that. I, I thought... need to go back and listen to the terms because I don't even know if the standards. I kind of forget too. I also, <laughs> I also for a while was just assuming it was off because I thought they were both of these two teams were so dog we're, shit. Now they're hot. Just yeah. So I don't know. We might need to like renegotiate the terms or something like that. But uh, it, some something's gonna happen. We'll 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 have some sort of fucking ordeal here. I need a goalie. Trade me something fancy, and I'll I'll think of some renegotiation. There we go. We can collude. We run the league. I mean, we run the pod. I've got four of them, so take your pick. <laughs> we, we can collude against all the other ones. Maybe there's a little power trip here that we can work out. But by the way, you're only allowed to have four goalies on your roster technically, but one of my, one of mine is on IRR. Uh, one of mine is on IR, which is why I'm allowed to have five technically. Mm. Take can you break. play someone on IR? Can someone show me how to do that? No, or you just... have to. Wait, what do you? 
like, it's like fantasy... you know when you go to like uh manage your lineup like go to edit your lineup and then like top then right of the IR. screen it says manage ir and you have to like manually put them there that was my but, question but they can't be day to day they have can't be, be like... they have to be out or ir i believe yeah, yeah. okay cool um which is right. like the day-to-day thing is the most frustrating thing ever but yeah uh before we wrap up here nick i know you got some things you want to say yeah um so obviously i was down for the count for a week i had lasik done uh it's great to see you boys in 2020 first time i'm seeing 2020 in like 28 years so um that's awesome never have to deal with contacts again that's awesome so jealous uh but I think I kind of had like one of the most stressful days of uh, eye surgery because I actually sold the Jag like two hours before I went to go get LASIK done. So I'm like, you know, and for anyone that's ever sold a car, I sold this through eBay. If you've ever had to go through that process, you know how stressful this is. Um, I'm finally done with that chapter in my life. And boys, I can say, holy shit, while well, I had some good memories with that car, I am so glad to be like gone, done with it. Uh, it's just, you know, we're not care. You know, we're not, you don't own a, you don't own a classic car. You're a caretaker of it. I'm glad it's onto its next caretaker. And I just, I am so far done. I will never own any British car ever again. Done. <laughs> absolutely never, ever happening again. <laughs> well, pr- happy for you. Proud of you. Very there happy you for you. I mean, did the guy, I, I have to ask this, did the guy drive on the highway to take it home or did he the guy drove it? it home? So Holy shit. He, he drove get, it home. I guess so. How did, the paper. Get, how did he get to you? So like, I guess like one of his buddies drove him down, but um, I mean, it, it's selling a car over eBay is not an easy thing. You're dealing yeah. with so many things. Uh, um, did you tell you're him, you're like, probably hey, trying dude. to act the whole time he's there. You're trying to act like. Yeah, it's so sick, man. Slaps the roof. What are you talking about? This it's thing's great. So, <laughs> it's just it, I've had so many good so uh, drives. Right. Yeah. Do you think he broke down on the highway? I mean, I have no idea, but he didn't call me after the deal and we have signed paperwork, so I was going to um, say is there any sort of like like fucking like oh no turn it or that was an as is sale okay Um, yeah when you buy a car sight unseen over ebay that's an as is sale my friend beautiful so uh happy to be done with that yeah (laughs) i'm I'm glad that we had some good memories harry you got to drive it so yeah i couldn't really hit the brakes it was a lot but no you you need all your legs to get those brakes to work yeah to build those quads up um you got some birthday shout outs is that my understanding I do one birthday shout out, uh, shout out to Kelly Shea, the juice, um, her dad, Pat listens to every single episode. So I know he and I are going to be having some beers on Saturday. So Pat, we're looking forward to it. Happy birthday. You guys got anything fun planned for the holiday coming up? Uh, Um, I'm flying to Dallas day after tomorrow for my cousin's wedding. There you Uh, go. All my family's going to be there. It's going to be a blast. But, uh, because of that, and because it's so close to Christmas, for the actual holiday, we're not going to be really convening or anything because it's tough enough to get days off work and all that, especially with a new job. So I'll be spending it with the uh, the lady in Chicago. Very nice. I have uh, my usual family Christmas Eve celebration. Going to be loud, going to be crazy. But, uh, boys, I just have to say this Christmas season has just been absolutely fantastic. Much less stressed out this year. Don't really hate my life at all. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Love, love to hear that. We love to hear that. Wonder I wonder why. 
Um, I can't yeah. think of any reason. I can't yeah. think of nothing. I don't know. Yet. I don't know what you're talking about. Must be the um, Jag. Yeah, that's what it now is. It's finally going, you know. Um, Mac, I was looking I, when you just said you're going to be in Dallas. I was like, damn, that'd be a cool place to see a game. But they're not home again until Wednesday, December 21st. Mm, damn. So, so you won't be there at that time. No, I will not. I'm there play- Friday to Monday. Yeah, that sucks. Damn, I was looking. I was hoping that maybe you'd be able to see something down there. Um, cool. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's been a crazy month, man. I mean, it's the first time in a month that we've all gotten to record together. Um, Christmas is next week. So, you know, be on the lookout for tweets about updates for schedules. We might have to work around some stuff. But other than that, you know, um, thank you so much for listening. Happy holidays to everybody. We'll um, see you in Milwaukee. Yeah, it's going to be a chaotic recording schedule probably for the next couple of weeks, but bear with us. And we are super pumped to come to Elwoods in Milwaukee. Just over yeah. a month. Our last trip to Elwoods was so mellow. Yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> it was so uh, relaxing. I don't even remember it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Very chill vibe. Yeah. Make sure I bring my flip-flops up there this time. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for the love and support. As always, we appreciate it. And without further ado. Class dismissed. Class dismissed.